Let me explain something to you you may not understand. All these years, you've been living under the protection of people who care about you. And those same people are protecting you now, including me. So if you go ahead with this, if you open that door, you're walking through it alone. And all that loyalty and all that trust will no longer exist for you. And Mike, you won't make it. Not on your own. And not with a little boy. Dry martini. Oui, monsieur. Wait. Three measures of Gordon's, one of vodka, half a measure of quinoa lily, shake it over rice, and then add a thin slice of lemon peel. Yes, sir. Daniel Craig. You know what? Are you sick of saying the name Daniel Craig yet? I'm not sick of saying it. I'm weirdly not sick of it either. I'm very happy that we've reached a point, I think, where from now on, good films. There's going to be a strong uptick. And I'm excited about Like, I'm in a real good mood right now. Cause... Yeah. We, well, we are having a very strong contrast at the moment <laughs> from having just watched Obsession. <laughs> Well, we have judged to be the worst Daniel Craig film so far. Now to a film starring Tom Hanks mm. that Steven Spielberg was interested in, kind of, but from a distance. June Sam Law. Mendes directed Sam it. Sam Mendes, the first time DC and Sam Mendes working together. Ugh. Ah, Road to Perdition. This is what we came. This is what we started this for. This is a good film, and here we are talking about it already. High what five! Is, see, see. Man, that dilly dallying. No more mm, dilly dallying. Un- so, did you hear what Quentin Tarantino said about the best film of the last ten years? What was it? What did he say? What do you think? Uh, Baby Driver. Oh, uh, last ten years. Yeah. So, like the twenty tens. Yes. His best film. No, his what he what what he thinks was the best movie, and Ooh. it wasn't one of his. Um. A rare dip in the megalomania that seems to be bleeding out of Tarantino at all times. (laughs) So he chose someone else's film as the best film of the last 10 years. Yeah, Very Uh, hard to guess, but... Give me a genre. uh, I guess you'd say it's a drama. Okay. Hmm. Weird for him to choose. Yeah. I don't know. What is it? That's what... He's interesting because he has very broad taste in movies, even though his But he also has very strange taste in making films. Yeah. Um, he likes feet. The Social Network. Ah, uh, what? Like Ma- it's great and all. Twenty ten. So we did the first, we did the best movie right at the beginning, <laughs> and we still haven't beaten it. But like it, it is great. But has he seen like other films in the last ten years, or did he just go to the movies? Probably not. Once? I would imagine not, Isaac. Because there's some good films. I know where he's coming from. I did a rewatch of it sort of after that because Emma had never seen it. Oh, and I was like, you haven't seen Bad Boys too," So we had to watch <laughs> The Social Network. And I hadn't seen it for a long time. And it's definitely one of. And I think it's like definitely be as in one of the best movies of the last 10 years. Oh, it'd be up there. Still. Mm. And to go back and watch it, there's some social media, internet stuff in it that is quite cringy to look back on where you see they are, they're trying to 
depict what is the new sort of lingua franca of how everyone interacts with the world, <laughs> mainly through the internet. But it's still very, very relevant and still, and a lot of it is absolutely fine. So to make a movie 10 years ago about social media that's still relevant now is really very impressive. Okay. And I think it's just David Fincher's ability to identify what is compelling about a situation without having to just stick something in there like a car chase. He can identify what makes you interested in something and makes that really sort of viscerally salient to you when you're watching well, it. Like you can feel I think that's how really why the characters feel the way impressive they Impressive when like dra- dramatic films or films that don't have like massive set pieces or action sequences can be as popular as they get. Well, I think finding like either a writer or a director's ability to well, find so something that's really, really like likable for everybody to like, yeah, relatable. Well, it the the genius of the social network is it does have set pieces. It makes writing code into a set piece. <laughs> it somehow manages to shoot it in a but way that it is makes it accessible. Piece, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Have you written code? No, Do you I haven't. feel like a hacker? If, if I ever did... When you changed the HTML code in your original MySpace page to order, <laughs> in order to put GIFs and things on there. Yeah, wow. You hacked MySpace. See, you, you couldn't feel like a hacker if you're copy and pasting. You can only feel like a hacker <laughs> if you're typing quickly. Well, you can copy, paste, then like remove three words and rewrite those and you can't, three words. <laughs> yeah, and you can't hack slowly. Like hackers in movies are never like, and then... But in... Tap, 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 in, tap. In like the real oh, world. Oh, no. Backspace, backspace, backspace. Hang on a second. Just looks at a book. Oh, hang on. That's not that, that's not hacking. You have to hack at full speed or not at all. Otherwise, you're ruining it for everyone else. You're ruining the vibe of the hack. I watched a short film. It was more of a sketch comedy. This is going back 10 years. And it was about oh, Back hacking. when we made the best movie of the last 10 exactly. years. And it was about hacking. And there's robbers breaking into some secure facility. Mm-hmm. And they bring along a hacker. And he sits down, opens a can of Red Bull, puts it on the thing, and they're all getting shot at. And he's puts like, his hoodie on. Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, get it done. He's like, yeah, I'm just putting the computer up. And the computer takes like three minutes to load, as, as it does. Uh, oh, yeah. It's comedy. It's not a Mac. so. Well, some Macs. Depends on the age. We did tangent just then. You watch anything else good lately? Uh, I have rewatched all six films in The Lord of the Rings. Um, Do you want to revise that? In the comment, the Middle Earth ology, ology, I guess you'd call it. Yeah. So I've enjoyed three the films sexology. recently and watched three other films. Yeah, yeah, that's how yeah. that goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll be ready for that soon. Was were you inspired by our last conversation? I've just been in a Tolkien mood lately. Mm. As as one gets, you get in that funk, and yeah. it's a good kind of funk. You want to stay there. Well, with, for me, with Lord of the Rings, because I watched it so much as a teenager, because I was cool. Definitely. There, and in between going out to parties and Ob- stuff, obviously, and just doing or going over and to doing places to watch Lord of the Rings. Um, I now like it's have being ready to watch it again is a very valuable resource. Like I have to not engage with it at all. <laughs> like I can't look at pictures, really talk about it, and if a few years go by, enough of it drains out of my brain that I can enjoy watching it. Again, and I still know every line, but it's I'm so different. Because I'm not, a, I'm not a massive rewatcher. I'm always, I always feel like I want to rewatch movies, and then when I sit down, to I always lean towards something new. Are there films that are definite exceptions to that rule? 
Because, like, if it gets to any night of any week, you can watch Hot Fuzz again. It I is don't know if there film. are movies now that I can still just rewatch over and over again. Die Hard. Or I just never, I just never feel like it. I just always feel like watching another a new movie. And I was not like that at all as a child and as a teenager. I would rewatch stuff relentlessly. Transformers, exactly. Well, well, more like the Mummy. That too. That Mask too. of Zorro. Uh, Vicar Dibley, all that. The Mask of Zorro, not the Legend of Zorro. Not so much the Legend. I'll okay. be honest with you. But there was a big, awesome scene in a in a quarry. That's yep. fun, right? Not necessarily. No. Oh, okay. No, that's just where dirt once was and now isn't. Mm. That's not they find other good. things sometimes too. Yeah. Parts of Earth that are different, shiny. Mm. Yeah. Or see through. Yeah. Yeah. Or even not shiny. But I'd love they if this is how <laughs> like geologists talk. We this found a piece of dirt. Good. It's more seafood and less burning than the other dirt. <laughs> Who knows what we're going to find next? It's really hard. <laughs> really hard to go down to the ground. The thing about rocks is they're really hard. Sometimes right? they're so deep. You got to go. Like, We've gone down real deep. I'm starting to wonder if it's just rocks all the fucking way. Like it's insane. <laughs> Have you ever like stopped to think about rocks though? Like really, Has like seriously, like, found think the about edge it? of the world so that we could just have a look and see what's down there, and just so just... I don't have to dig here. <laughs> yeah, can we go out beyond the ice wall and just do like go down to the, the turtles we're on? Absolutely. Yeah, if we just repel off, then we go down and see where the dinosaurs are, and then we'll know if there's that center of the earth world. There's definitely a market out there for the scaffold that you can attach to the side of the earth that you can just climb down safely. Yeah, you know. it's a really big ladder. <laughs> a whole apparatus of cranes. Journey to the edge of the earth would be fun. Would be a <laughs> it's so lame. Story. That'd be a good asylum movie that where would. it turns out flat earth is true and they prove it and they go there. Oh, I saw it. Um, and there's a people, there's a, and there's a people that live on the side oh, of the flat earth. Spider-Man. And, they, and they're just all there in like hanging bivvies and stuff like rock climbers. <laughs> what do they eat? And they're just building out into the sky. Square Earth. Ooh. The cubed Earth. Yeah. And then you have have the the possibility of six films on your cubed Earth until you go to the center. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, you have to get get six MacGuffins from each side of the cube in order to penetrate the center of the Earth. What do you find there? A giant planet mobile. (laughs) <laughs> that is the earth yeah surrounded by time storms <laughs> mm. i watched so um I, fi- I did I did the second timothy dalton bond on uh-huh. my journey through the bonds yep. license to kill didn't mind it my main ta- have you seen it i have yes my main takeaway from it that i liked bond undercover which we don't get a lot of no, he we goes don't. undercover for he's like he has a whole persona the bad guy believes his persona he doesn't just walk into every room immediately saying, Hi, I'm Bond, James Bond, I work well, for like, the British government. He tries, they, they try Let's to give him a cover in Casino Royale when he goes... They try to give him a cover in a bunch of movies. <laughs> like, this is what you're going to be, but they automatically, like, what is the it? bad guys know who he is. He's like, well, that's the cover guy. Or he has a cover where he works for like international exports or whatever it is, but his name is still James Bond. <laughs> Hi, I'm James Bond, but not that one. A different one who is no threat to well, your I mean, criminal organization. Don't even worry be about it. Several people in the world called James Bond back then. Not but now. if you hear about one of them and then meet a different one, that would be what? 
Yeah. That'd be crazy. You know, I heard about a guy named James Bond you a know, few weeks ago. Yeah. He blew up a space station. <laughs> so really look out for it. There's a guy here called James Bond. Ah, but which one though? Is it the one? Because it should be a regular James Bond. You know, that's the story of how he chose the name. Ian Fleming. Yeah, he chose James Bond intentionally as a very boring sounding name. But it's not. Well, it's not now, <laughs> but it was then. But you- and it was a, he was an ornithologist, and in his library he had an ornithology book by James Bond, and he just saw <laughs> that. It was like, yeah, that's a dull name that would be great for someone doing secret spy shit. No one would think James Bond is anything. You wouldn't like, choose something like John Smith. Who's yeah. literally a nobody. Presumably then it sounded like John no Smith. No offense to anyone who's listening whose name is also John Smith. You're not but, a nobody, but your name is. Yeah. You're, you're basically what don't people exist. Remember, people might remember you for your name, but only in a meta way because of how unmemorable it is. If anybody wants to make an example of how to fill out an ex- like, a, like a sheet of some kind, yeah. your name is used. Yeah. You have filled so many online forms yeah, you've probably before f- anybody else. You've applied for a lot of shit you didn't realize. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good work, John. Could you imagine being born with a name that you hate? Like Samuel? Well, I can't imagine hating that name. It's oh, strong okay. and... and um, I'm waiting for them to name one of the new royal babies, Samuel. Like, it's just lying there, you know, ready to be picked up as a great new royal name. Has no one in the royal family been a Samuel before? Don't think so. Man. Yeah. It seems like an old traditional name, like Georges. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think think it's more sort of Hebrew than sort of English specifically. I think like Arthur and all that, they're probably more Mm. Celtic Anglo-Saxon names. But I am also completely making that up. So who knows if that's true or not. It sounded right. And the mustache makes it feel right. And you're good. Yeah, I have a mustache now. Yeah. We have mentioned it several times on the podcast. So and I assume people who listen to the podcast listen to all of the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Why would you not? Exactly. There's definitely not people just tuning in for this one because they recognize the movie title. <laughs> Imagine that. It's not going to get like more popular from now when the movies are actually like known. We should have done a better job of starting this one, shouldn't we? Because there's <laughs> much more likely people will listen to this well, one. Well, we started talking any... about it and then tangents happened. We well, did. Why? Because just to, just to have some fun tangents, just okay. to just to mix it up a little bit. This week, do we have any information from from the, the Daniel Craig biography called Daniel Craig, the biography of Britain's best actor by Sarah yes. Marshall? Is there any new information? Uh, there is information. I don't know if I'm going to do it all like as its own section. I can probably weave it in okay. to our discussion as we go. But they do discuss uh, Road, uh, Road to Perdition. Uh, in the t- in the chapter titled "Raking in the Big Bucks," oh, where uh, they also <laughs> describe uh, Tomb Raider. Um, so, uh, yeah, so there's stuff there. There's stuff there. We'll build it in. We'll okay. we'll, we'll we'll build it in. You mentioned the film the film title just then. Yeah, we we, we mentioned it earlier. Did we? Yeah, and everyone knows what it is because it's the episode title when they click guess, on it. I guess. So, so yeah, don't even worry about it. Cool. So this is a very in- important part of Daniel Craig's trajectory. And so, bef- so I think something I'm interested in talking about is at this point, I feel like there's certain actors that just walk onto screen fully formed and you're like, oh, that's a movie star right there. Yeah. And it just seems obvious from the beginning that they're going to be a massive movie star. Chris then, Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth, to a degree. The number one person for this for me at the moment would be John Boyega. Oh, definitely. Just like, boom. Yep. You. Mm. Definitely. Also, my attack the block very close to my number one pick for next Bond. Oh, he'd be so great! It's just kind of crazy. He can yell so good. Yeah, do more Bond yelling. Mm. But it's just, 
It's kind of crazy to have someone be a star of a Star Wars trilogy and James Bond, but it happens. Is it? Han Solo was also Indiana Jones. Exactly. You know, so it's all... It's perfectly fine. Um, I would like John Boyega to be the next Indiana Jones. Or that. That'd he really cool. could do anything, I think. Oh, but he's just great. With Daniel Craig, do you do you do you think he's someone who looks like? And it's hard to imagine. Do you think he's someone who looks like? Oh, this is obviously someone who's going to blow up. In this film? Well, just in the films we've watched today. In date. the films we've watched to date, no. But in this yeah. film, very much so. It's weird, isn't it? Mm. I think this film, you can look at him and be like, yeah. That guy might be starting out right now, but he's real good. Yeah. Like, it feels like, yeah, See, because cool. now he's about 30-odd. Mm. But, and we've watched him, I think, stro- he's not struggling. He's just not someone who's easily placed. No. In the films we've watched, Daniel has been great. Yeah. But quite often it'll be a character that you don't see Daniel fitting. Very yeah, well. he's like, not the first person you'd think of no, for that. If you read that script right now, you wouldn't be like, yeah, young Daniel Craig would be perfect for that. And I think he's doing that intentionally partly as well. Like, I think he is trying to work against his own typecasting that hasn't happened that yet. circle hole that people are making for him. And he's like, no. Well, um, I, think he's, I think he could feel himself being drawn into more like leading man roles, but he is not that interested in them. He is more <laughs> interested in characters that are conflicted and dark and have ambiguity in them. Yeah, um, and then makes weird but also he's, obsession. Well, I mean, you know, that wasn't his fault. That was mostly the Germans. Well, I do blame him. As if they haven't things. done enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, never mind. Sorry, Germany. I'm not going to get into it. <laughs> I'm just. I Sorry, feel like seventy-year-old. I feel like we can still still give Germany a bit of shit about the war, can't we? I d- I think it's. I think that's a thing forever. But also, well, it has been a very long time since Germany did that. It has been. I I feel like it's a hundred years. I think once. I think once around the generation of years. people that were involved in the beginning of that are yeah. gone. You're like, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> And well, I'm I don't think sure it just has to be when everyone forgets. I, I think it's an, a, a nice round hundred years of get, of us giving them shit for it <laughs> seems fair. Well, because it happened twice in such a short amount of time that Germany <laughs> was just being a dick. <laughs> you start a horrific international conflict that scars the entire world for generations to come once. Shame on you. <laughs> Do it again. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, sometimes I, you know, sometimes I make Nazi jokes and people are like, "Ooh, you know, oh, come on, time to move on." I don't, you know, they can. Get... I mean, you're moving on by I've, making Nazi jokes. I feel like if I was German, I would be like, "Fair play." <laughs> we'll take it for another thirty to forty years, and then there'll be new shit to, you know. If someone, someone else will have started the next one, and we're making jokes about the U.S. having started. A yeah, war. we'll mostly be making fun of America for you know its former you know power that has now faded. Due to their own sort of geopolitical missteps and, you know, soured culture. So, welcome to Exceptional Thieves. Uh, This is a podcast where (laughs) Sam and Isaac, I didn't know where it was going to come from, then review and rewrite movies. I'm Sam. Who's that over there? I'm Isaac. That's great. Yeah. And um, (laughs) we are now up to episode 12. You think? Yeah. You think it's episode 12? Mm -hmm. I think it's episode 11. But you sure? Not, we're not non-cleaning Sharp's Eagle. Ah. Uh, this is episode 12 of 11. This, 
This is episode 11 of the publicly available um, episodes of Craigslist, <laughs> where we are going to take a break from everything that's going on in the world to just watch every movie that our boy Daniel Craig has ever been in. Um, not including, of course, our Patreon episode, Sharp's Eagle, which still isn't up on Patreon because I'm having real technical difficulties in trying to do that. That's understandable. And also, um, no one's really waiting for it, so we don't have to rush with it. Exactly. No yeah. one's waiting for it. And I cannot stress this enough. No one cares. But I'm just saying <laughs> I've been talking about it for a while, and I'm aware that it is still not there. But episode 12 of Craigslist. 11. <sighs> but another uh, thing. Yeah. I like the idea. This is... A on on mic production meeting real quick. Oh yeah, I like the quick. idea. Even if this kicks off, or if anything ever we ever do is successful, still saying <laughs> that nobody cares about it. Yeah, is a really nice thing to humble ourselves where we know that we're amazing. Yeah, yeah. But the world's like, oh, they don't get shit. Yeah, it's important for us to always be trying to find ways to humble ourselves. Yeah. Because otherwise, all who's going to do it? All our success will go to our head. And we don't and, want that. And that and that, that that will corrupt the authenticity of this of this beautiful <laughs> art that we create together. <laughs> um, so what do we watch? This is kind of true. So today we watched Road to Perdition, and bam, bam, films. Can I say Daniel Craig has arrived? Can I say films have arrived in this? This podcast. There's been we've had Elizabeth. I mean, we've watched films. There's been good films in this in this filmography up till now, but Daniel Craig, <laughs> I feel like, is now is is He's blossoming in into his true form with this with this movie. We got some good Craig, but and is, we got I think just enough Craig for the film that this was. Is that just us saying that as a shallow audience member? No, I mean, when meanwhile. Like, Daniel Craig would see it as, oh, finally, I've given up on my more, you know, abstruse artistic goals. And as soon as I start doing more just cliched, dull, you know, just gangster movies, oh, suddenly the people are lapping it up. But I see it as Daniel Craig got to be an intimidating sort of gangster child, technically, mm -hmm. like a kid who grew up in the gangster life. But then you get to see little parts of vulnerability for him being like... This is a part of his life. The director, Sam Mendes, does, uh, did mention that as the reason why he was cast in the film. Ooh. That he can play a very strong and tough character, but there's this, you know, palpable vulnerability there below the surface the whole time, oh. which is also really what he brings to Bond. He does. Has to be said. DC. Um, so vulnerable. So Road to Position, to Position? Road to Perdition. Yeah, that's not a real word. Perd edition sounds like a show from that character on um, Parks and Rec. <laughs> Welcome to Perd edition. Welcome to Road to Perdition. <laughs> oh, they should have done that. I. It's just him. A show where I purred. I just drive to places. <laughs> reviews of diners and stuff. <laughs> I would watch that as a I YouTube series. Then this is the food that I'm going to eat now on the show. Road to Perdition is the name of the show, which I am now in here. It's a 2002 American crime drama film Directed by Sam Mendes Very exciting His first collaboration with Daniel Craig mm -hmm. As he will go on to direct Skyfall Inspector And I would say I think Sam Mendes is kind of With 1917 Has elevated to one of my favourite directors Oh he's up there definitely I'll say that Definitely Because I have always been a massive fan of Revolutionary Road Mm-hmm 
Another one road of Michael film. Shannon's best performances. Another road film. Another, yep. Yeah. Continuing the road theme, mm. I guess. He loves streets. Um, Revolutionary Road, also one of my favourite novels. And just to have the audacity to cast your wife in the lead in the movie when your wife is Kate Winslet, opposite Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> like, to cast the two love interests from Titanic <laughs> ten years later in a movie where they are the two main characters, and it's not weird at all, and it totally works. Why would it be Incredibly weird? Incredibly moving film. They're such great friends. They've got such good chemistry. They are great friends, so aren't they? To watch them. I love like, when you see the evidence of what good friends they are. Think every so often they just meet up and just have brunch. I hope so. And she judges him. Yeah, and he's for like, his latest choices. I'm glad you're happy. Yeah, and he's like, "How's Sam? Are they <laughs> I still hope together?" Friends. I think they are. I would hope so. I would be sad if that's not true. Nope, they divorced. Oh, Shit. What? Well, Leo's got a chance. Yeah. Sorry, Sam. Pounce, Leo. Pounce. <laughs> a chance for happiness, Leo. Um. So, Happiness that that Oscar can't give you. <laughs> yeah. You know you can't act your way to happiness. Like we've, You've done enough. It's quite well known that that is the opposite of what will work. You, you can't just hurt yourself on screen to equanimity. You can only do it by being with Kate Winslet. Exactly. That's the only thing that could make any of us happy. Maybe You're the only one with a shot. That's the cure for what's going wrong with the world at the moment. Not enough Kate Winslet's in it. Not enough Leonardo and Kate's together. Not lo- what? Like when they get together. That will be. That will blossom that's, into. That's the, that's the MacGuffin. That's the start of phase the, four. That brings peace of, to the world. Of the Earth cinematic universe. Okay. Is <laughs> the, the, the joy. Yeah, it's like, so like in, the, in the wasteland when the two halves of the triangle are brought together and then suddenly grass starts growing all around it exactly. and the rainforest returns and suddenly there's mammoths again. If Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet ever did actually be together, um, we tangent. might save us. This is a tangent. But Sam Mendes. Okay. You know what I watched this morning? What did you watch? American Beauty. Why? Because it's Sam Mendes' first but film. that's not a morning film. I know, right? I watched it. That, that's Who where I'm at. Who wakes up and watches American Beauty? That's where I'm at in my life. Kevin I just Spacey. watched American Beauty in the morning. Yeah. And, um, have you you've seen it? I have seen American Beauty. Amazing. Like, I can't even really get into it right now. I need to Had watch it. Had you not it seen least. it before? I'd never seen it before. Okay. And so I just thought it would be a good little bit of background to this. And having seen that, okay, Sam Mendes. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. I'm always impressed with directors that do a range of brilliant films that are really different. Yep. Like Wes Anderson, sure, you found your thing, you do it very well. He's one of my favorite directors as well. But Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright, kind of. Um, like Martin Scorsese, he does a bit of variety, but just like, like gangsters. It's the same feel in all of his films. Same kind of feel. Yeah. Um, but like how good is The Departed? How good is we should is just the do departed. a series on The Departed, I minute find- by minute. The Departed. The Departed. Maybe. The Departed. You do a minute by minute on Gangs in New York. You could, but it's fucking long. Yeah, we'll be, so we'll be there for long. a long time. I finally watched Silence. Did you ever see that? Si- the Silence a- a- or Silence? Just Silence. Andrew Garfield and... Is that the... That's the priest one. Liam what Neeson. The- oh, yeah. no. You and McGregor. Adam Driver. No, it's Liam Neeson. Okay. In... Uh, in Japan, where yeah. they're torturing all of the, the Christians and 
Yeah, that's a that's a that's a heavy watch. Yeah, I'm not gonna. No, yeah, yeah. yeah I don't, it's not, it's not exactly not really up your alley. Yeah, I'm not about it. Yeah, it's kind of the anti. Satan's alley. It's kind of the anti baby driver, <laughs> <laughs> if we could put it that way. Um, but there's no Kevin Spacey in it. Where I was going with that was though was though Danny Boyle. Danny the other Boyle, director who's just different movie, different genre every time. But can still come back to being great. Pretty much. Yeah. Not that they're not great all the time. And so Road to Perdition came out in 2002 and it's adapted from the graphic novel of the same name. So this is actually a comic book movie, kind yeah. of. Superhero movies. Yeah. Well, not quite that. And so spoilers for Road to Perdition. Kind of a superhero movie. I mean, it's a revenge story. I feel like, wouldn't there need to be a superhero in it? Well, he's, he spends a lot of the time not getting hit. True. Yeah. You know? So That's you, a power. So you think... Maybe this guy's superpower is fatherhood. So you think it's like a unbreakable situation where yeah. the subtext here is he can't die. Imagine this is Bruce Willis instead of Tom Hanks. Even though, spoilers, he does die. How good is Unbreakable? It's okay. Sorry, that's another tangent. I it's, love that film. It's fine. But it's not that good. I liked it. And so this film stars Tom Hanks, mm-hmm. Paul Newman, Ooh. Jude Law, Ooh. and the one and only Daniel Craig. And Ooh. some child who is and Superman Stanley Tucci. now. And the powerful, powerful Stanley Tucci, <laughs> who adds a huge amount to this movie, I think. Yeah. And it's 1931 Chicago and around Chicago. Depression era America. Depression era. And it feels depression. The first scene, bam, depression. Everyone is walking, stooped. Yeah. Hundreds of people are walking, yeah. stooped. No one has good posture. If a hundred people walk in dark clothes in like sort of like a dreary sort of That can actually street, cause a depression. Mm, that That's how you show that the depression is happening. Yeah. People are walking sad and there are a bunch of them. That's what I keep saying. We want to avoid a depression now. Put on some bright clothes. Look up. You know? Jog. Yeah, go see a chiropractor. Just jog, like just not jog. fast, just slowly. <laughs> it's like little bits of jogging. Like, yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah. Look How energetic. can there be a depression if we all feel fine? Exactly. Endorphins. Yeah. Drug yourselves. There's something to that, you know. <laughs> no, there's no reason to get... A depression is just what we... That's what we call it when the economy goes down, which is when that line goes down at the end of the news. And that's just a graph of rich people's feelings. So why should we let the rich people's feelings go for everyone else? Just because they're depressed, because they're well, that's sort my, of that fake quasi-capital. So we can drug more. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So when there is a depression... It should have a rebound effect, and we all feel great. <laughs> the, po- because... the general populace, this is a depression. Yeah. And like, yeah, it's the great, it's, this yeah. is the great depression. Yeah. We're actually doing fine. We didn't even have investment properties to begin with. So we're really just enjoying everyone getting their comeuppance. Um, but we're not talking about any of that. No. So, yeah, and it's, and it's the depression. Everyone's wearing big coats, trilby hats, Tommy guns. It's all of that. It looks great. Yeah. It does look great. It's like a, it's a, like, it's a period film. Mm. And uh, the only Oscar this one was for cinematography. The only Oscar this one. Was yeah. it nominated for others? I think uh, Paul Newman got Best Supporting nomination. Weird. There was some Oscar buzz for Daniel Craig, according to Daniel Craig, the Britain's Best Actor biography. 
Um, By buzz, does it mean like somebody somewhere said, hey, I th- he did really good in this one. Maybe he'll get nominated. And that was it. Well, I think it would mean the, the, the studio would have tried to generate some buzz around it, you know. <laughs> and Daniel Craig says in the book, that's just a load of bullshit because you know there's buzz if you say there's buzz so all you have to do to make there be buzz is be like there's buzz and like, well i guess there's buzz there was some buzz hey, do you, i don't know if we've talked about this before the the way in which oscar buzz and oscars are oscar we have buzz talked about this before and oh. it is the weirdest thing in the world and like and i am often saddened by the fact that it means anything oscar awards and stuff like that like i care mm. about it like i want to know who wins and what people think yeah. but it is all it's all bullshit well i would like They're it to bald. mean more than it does me too i i think the, the nickelodeon kids choice awards are a much better way of doing that because that's a populace going onto a website and voting for something yeah like if that's how they did the oscars mm. that would be much better there's, there's that's the popular vote. That's how that's how presidents should be chosen. Should be with a Nickelodeon Kids Choice Awards, but it's everybody is included. Yeah, yeah. Being more like Nickelodeon, America. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this year's Oscars. Yes, but this is the last movie by the cinematographer Conrad L. Hall before he passed away the next year. So that's why it's dedicated to him yes. at the end. But. He was old too. Yeah, great. So there's lots of there's lots there's lots of great stuff going on. The lighting throughout the whole thing is very a- a- atmospheric. Everything looks cold and horrible the whole time. It Apparently, was the winter of 1931. Yeah, the director told the actors to stay out of the sun, <laughs> so they all looked as pale as possible. DC wasn't pale. Well, he's he he's, That's the thing he was about Daniel he was Craig. quite pale, but he he does have that sort of the glow of a Greek god. He does that seems to start in his oh. hair and flow down him like liquid gold, and it's hard to. That's something DC's not done before, and we'll give him a great excuse to take his clothes off again. What's that? Play a Greek god. Yeah, yeah. Him. He could bring back his long as hair. Hermes. I don't know if we. Sh- I don't know Mars. It feels weird to we keep to keep casting really Anglo-Saxon-looking people as yeah, but he's like, just a Greek god. gods and stuff. He's oh. not like one of the humans. Yeah, like, sure. He can look whatever we want him to look like because he's not real. Yeah, but is but it the humans? They all look real. Yeah, but like, is it good to always people. represent people we elevate to the level of gods as white? Yeah, but I'm pretty sure a lot of the Greek gods are dickheads, and most of the populace know about that. Like it wasn't about worshiping. So it could be a them. commentary. Yeah. It was like most of the, the worst thing they the, do is like, yeah, you got to give me some rain, bruv. And we have the people I climb to Olympus and overthrow the gods <laughs> and dump the and dump the statues of them in a canal. Yeah. We don't talk about current events on this show. <laughs> and so the situation is... Oh, and the, the, so I, I love the style of the whole movie. Apparently it took a lot of inspiration from Edward Hopper paintings. Have you ever seen any of those? Is that like the smoking dogs around the... It's not smoking dogs, Nighthawks. The, the diner on the street. Yes, the diner. Yeah. Yeah, Nighthawks. So. And you can see that's definitely... Yeah, where, it is, where these industrialized cityscapes were, I guess, somehow, were somewhat newer and the recency of these global conflicts were more sort of salient and people were more atomized and alienated than previously and we all sort of lost each other to a degree even even though we have even more so now but it reveals the 
intimacy and humanity that people retain even whilst being alone in those sorts of contexts. So I'm a sucker for all of that. I think it it the film looks great. Yeah. There and- is I'm I I struggled to find parts of the film that weren't done well. Yes, I would I would say I my overall take for this movie would would be that it's almost great. You know, but okay. I think and what could what might if what lets it down would be just some things to do with pacing. There is a little bit like of that. slowness to parts of it, but yeah. I feel I feel as though that sort of built the world that it would have been because it would nothing would have been rushed. No, like everyone was going a little slower. It's the depression, and it was the <laughs> and it was very much the intention with the movie to make it quite wordless so that's what attracted mm. sam mendes originally especially coming off american beauty where which was very dialogue heavy there's people talking all the time he liked the idea of trying to do something different like Except many good directors 15 do minutes of a fucking plastic bag blowing around in the wind oh that nearly moved me to tears did it yes isaac did it yes because that's... i have a feeling for the beauty of the world Okay. Of a plastic bag blowing yeah. in the wind. Yeah, because to understand the imminence of divinity in which we are submerged, you need to be able to see it not only in great, great works of art or moments of beauty, but in a the mundane as well. It's the same blowing in the wind. It's the same um, sort of rich spontaneity that bleeds through into the Ed- Edward Hopper paintings as well, and ultimately, you know, forms an aesthetic basis for this wonderful film we've just watched. Sure. I'm sure. talking out of a plastic bag at the moment. Sure. Is that a phrase? What? Talking out, no, out of your hat, that's the phrase. Talking out of a hat. <laughs> talking talking out of a plastic bag. Yeah. What's in my plastic bag? Let's say bag? I didn't get hey. the phrase wrong. Let's say I did a play on that phrase. Uh, exactly. I did a fun twist on it. This um, is my want. So film starts. Are we going to go so through it? So film starts. Are going to go through it? Why would we pretend we're not going to? <laughs> Starts with riding in the snow. That would be difficult. Mm-hmm. Riding a push bike over grassy yeah. hills in the snow. Yeah. So we're introduced through Tom Hanks' son, who whose name is also Michael Sullivan. Is, yeah. So we'll call him Michael, and we'll call Tom Hanks Tom Hanks. Yeah, that's that. and <laughs> Michael is cycling through the depressed places, mm-hmm. and he steals a chocolate bar from a pharmacy. Well He's, done. Except that he takes the chocolate bar out of his pocket. Just outside, immediately the outside the glass door of the pharmacy. So <laughs> use your brain. He's smoking a pipe. That's all a lot of fun. I don't think he's actually smoking. I think I, he just puts it in. I thought and... I could see smoke coming out. Of no, it. I think I think because he puts it in oh, it? and rides May- away. Maybe and just he the... crashes and it's just still sticking out. I think he just stole it from his dad. I think I saw something coming out of it, but it could have been winter just... in nineteen thirty-one. Yeah, it could have been the steam of his breath. Yeah. Did you ever fake cigarettes as a kid? Every day, every time it's cold enough, that's what you do. You still do it. Well, I used to have fake, uh, like, like joke cigars and stuff from a joke shop, and you'd blow through it, and um, like flour would puff out the end, so it looked like it was lit. That is cool. Mm. Does it ever scare? Was you? it cool? Well, for that's the kind of shit we used to do. Kids these days have VR headsets. I used to have a fake cigar with flour puffing out of the end. I don't. Rem- Kids are like leading cool fifty-person battles through, you know different dimensions online i had a magnetic dartboard 
I still have a magnetic dartboard somewhere in my house. Yeah, and you know what's great about them? They don't work. <laughs> it just falls off. <laughs> yeah, but if one sticks, you win. Yeah. Yay. We also had an actual dartboard, though. So I don't know why the magnetic dartboard was ever purchased. <laughs> <laughs> Safety, probably. Um, no, but the magnetic darts don't stick to the real dartboard. The real darts stick to my magnetic one. And the I feel like they're more sticking to the door, yeah. <laughs> um, Tom Hanks gets home, and he's distant. He's not very, he's not very talkative, yep. as with most of the movie. They show him putting his stuff down on the bed, and he's got a rosary and a gun. Oh, conflicted. Jesus. Irish Catholicism whilst also being mobsters. Because this is the Irish mob, isn't it? Um, Pretty much. They're, they're, they're not Italian, so that's kind of the only other option, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is, actually. Um, and then they go to the, a funeral for someone. And this is the brother of Kieran Hines, who's the king beyond the wall, mm-hmm. um, who recurs, I think... I made a note of this. So he and Daniel Craig will be together again in Munich. And they are also both in the final scene of Tales from the Crypt in 1996. (laughs) One of the few Daniel Craig things we are not watching. Although maybe we should. Is Daniel Craig in Tales from the Crypt? Yeah. In one part? Yeah, in like one episode or something. I don't know. Okay. We don't need to. I'm not gonna. It's... I don't want to. Daniel... We're doing enough, okay? <laughs> Unless, Daniel, you have a copy that we could borrow. Daniel, if you want us to watch Tales from the Crypt, let us know. If you feel as though this sound off in the comments. single episode of Tales from the Crypt was a real, will give us something that we would, would not have. A, ter- a real turning point. <laughs> Maybe it's in there. We don't know. It could be. That could be the best, Daniel, and we but never get to see it. Just uh, put it out there. There was a bit of a carrot for you getting in touch with us. We won't watch it unless you tell us to. Oh, shit. We'll so, stop doing this podcast unless you tell us to. Wait, what? Wait. We'll not stop doing this podcast. We're never going to stop, Isaac. <laughs> We're never going to stop. Um, but Kieran Hines' brother has been killed. Yep. And it's his funeral. And the water motif is coming in there because the body's on ice. And he says the ice stops the body from... Um, decomposing and the whole movie is snow and rain and different things everywhere and no one cares sort of a symbol of mortality or whatever yeah people do not care about getting wet in this movie and it's great yeah people in movies very rarely do i mean like i go running when it rains here but i purposely do that in clothes that i know i won't need the next day yeah and when these people have like one set of clothes and when you do it you're like oh it's fun i'm I'm in i'm in the rain i don't even care (laughs) exactly yeah but these guys are wearing the clothes that they own. Yeah, you didn't have a tumble dryer. <laughs> You're not just going to be naked in You're this on hotel the room with your son. You're on the run. Waiting for your clothes to dry. Yeah, There's just no trying, to think, fans. trying to think of something to talk about. There's nothing to talk about. Yeah. It's 1931. <laughs> Everyone's depressed. Everyone's not de- talking. Yeah, it's very hard to <laughs> be chatty when, when you're depressed, okay? Um, and Keon Hans' brother has died, and it's essentially implied that the mob that Tom Hanks works for has killed him. It's it's very much implied that he's died because mm. he's part of the mob. And, so and the, they've, um, in, a, in, a, in the next scene, um, they um, suspect that he's been stealing from them. Yeah. And, and that's why they've killed him. And the head of the mob is Paul Newman. Understandably. In one of his last major roles. He's like in his mid-70s in this. Mm. And doing amazing. Looking good. He's m- m- ener- energetic. Crisp, 
all that he's looking much better than Joe Biden, I'll tell you that much. Like if Joe Biden had the energy and charisma that John Newman does in this movie, I'd be feeling much we're not talking about it. But <laughs> And I don't I haven't seen a lot of Paul Newman movies, to be honest with you. I haven't seen a lot of Paul Newman movies that aren't 50 years old. Yeah, and I don't, and I've had a confusing relationship with him in my mind because what I've mostly known him for is like mayonnaise. As in, like like being the face of Newman's own mayonnaise. The most times the name Paul Newman has come into my head has been in the supermarket buying a sandwich filling. (laughs) So I'm like, I've always been like, who is this guy? What is he? Why Why would you be an actor and also do mayonnaise? We could have done Paul Newman's filmography. We, we're not doing anyone else's filmography, <laughs> Isaac. Stop suggesting that. We should just do um, a series of podcasts and every episode is someone else's filmography. Yeah. Well, let's just... Let's do everyone's filmography in one episode and just breakneck <laughs> speed. Um, so but he's it starts at the wake. Paul this. Newman gives a speech and then... You know what Paul Newman's last film role was? Do I want to? Is it great? Cars. It's great. <laughs> it's definitely great. And you know what? They used his voice after he was dead in Cars 3. And they didn't even care. Talk like, can you imagine anything more craven and soulless? Well, I can. Cars 3 is not a bad film. Cars 2 is a bad film. I haven't seen them. You ain't seen, you ain't seen think, Cars too, <laughs> But I think they're bad. And I think I'm right. But how can you know that without seeing it? I said I think. Okay. And I think I know. <laughs> and the story is that Paul Newman um, re- sort of rescued Tom Hanks from whatever his situation was when he was a boy and has basically raised him. Daniel Craig is Paul Newman's other, like, actual biological son, but obviously Tom Hanks is just much better at his job and just like a better dude overall. And so he has a much stronger father-son relationship with Paul Newman than I Daniel I think Tom Craig. Hanks is also a little bit older. A little bit like older. Written as a, so he's a little bit older. So he would have been, I'd say, a teenager when Daniel Craig was like a kid coming up. Yeah. And like he would have witnessed... Daniel Craig's growing up in his shadow and, yeah. and he's just much more bratty and was never going to be able to live up to... To being Tom Hanks, which is an unfair standard. It is an unfair standard. Imagine if your older brother was Tom Hanks. Mm. Oh, fuck this. Imagine being Colin Hanks and knowing that your dad is Tom Hanks. Yeah. And and then still trying to be an actor. And then being an actor, yeah. (laughs) You're like, well, I guess I'll do this film. Pick anything else. (laughs) Like, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) But like Tom Hanks, like, I'm pretty sure would have given him roles. To start off, the oh career, yeah, it like, must have helped him out. You've got to like, you've got no chance, man. I exist. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll throw you a bone. Yeah, Tom <laughs> Hanks is one of those people who, his career is ridiculous. As in, like, he started doing weird teen comedy movies, and then, and but just the, like, I can't. Maybe you could, and I just haven't thought about it because we don't try that hard. But there can't be many actors that. Were just pumping out, have just been pumping out like big, like landmark hit after hit, year after year, the way he was doing, especially in the nineties. I I like knowing that there is an actor like Tom Hanks who's done so many films, and he's like so well known and so well loved, but none of his films are just massive action films. 
No. And he doesn't do like like random gory horror films or anything. He does like yeah. t- like Saving There's Private very little Ryan filler. exists, but that's not an action film. Well, he he works so well in that because mm-hmm. he's not an action star. Same with how same reason he works well in this. In this, yeah, is because he's an unusual casting choice for you know it's just, a mobster he's just, heavy. He's, he's just is he, is a dad. Yeah, he looks just, like a father figure. And I know this is a very basic take to say how good are the movies Tom Hanks has been in. <laughs> but just think like going through <laughs> think the nineties, Sleepless Hanks has in Seattle, been in. then Philadelphia, then Forrest Gump. Then Apollo 13, then Toy Story, then Saving Private Ryan, then you've got mail, I guess, then The Green Mile, then Castaway, <laughs> then this, then Catch Me If You Can, and then it tails off a little bit and it's just come back again lately with, you know, Bridge of Spies. And what do you mean tails off a little bit? Oh, well, As then. In, like he didn't do much? Well, then he does. Like the films? Then it's his Da Vinci Code years. And What's there's just there's just nothing really standing out for this sort of five to ten year period. What's wrong with Cloud Atlas? And then he, he comes very well in it. And then he comes back with your sort of Oprah's Book Club movies with like <laughs> Captain Phillips, Saving Mr. Banks, Bridge Sully. of Spies, Sully. The Circle is like not good, but you see where it's going. The Post. You know, he's he came back into his Oscar territory lately, and then a beautiful day in the neighborhood. So there was that bit of a gap, but that that nineties run up till about two thousand four is I'd go even could be unparalleled. Oh, there's Turner good stuff before that. Sure, big. Yeah, well, that was his breakout. Mm. But Turner and Hooch and Big aren't cultural landmarks. They're good movies that he did. I think they are cultural landmarks. So how did Big? What's the significance of Big? Big is a great film. Uh huh. I don't think it's. Um, I don't think you can quantify how great Big is. Can you qualitate it? No. Okay. It's beyond words. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> everyone's entitled to their own to compel their own truths. That's fine. Um, I just did a Google. My favorite Paul Newman film is still Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I've just nothing wrong with that. Them great film um so it's a very interesting family dynamic they've set up here i yeah. really like it it's sim- it's simple but it's just primed for drama and it's great so and we get daniel craig at minute nine ooh, and which it's is pretty minute. great he's smoking yeah. in a dark room everyone's downstairs having the funeral so and i and i i like that way they're trying to sort of the mob is trying to over to keep people in the fold by throwing this big funeral for someone they killed yeah it's it's to say like this is their way of being like yeah we're not terrible people i know we killed the dude but here's his wake like we're gonna throw this great wake for this Mm. man's family they're gonna have a wonderful day yeah it's lovely we'll send him off nicely he was a dick which yeah which is the start of i think my favorite aspect of this movie which is and what is usually my favorite aspect of most films that I like, which is ethical complexity. Mm. Not in terms of figuring out what the right thing is to do, but showing people doing things that aren't good or bad, but complicated. And yeah. so people and and the ways people manipulate other people using the sort of mechanics of ethics as well, where the can we smooth over the fact that we killed this guy for a reason, because he's endangering the business by 
demonstrating that oh you know like no hard feelings like it's all in you know it's all <laughs> it's in good faith yeah like, hey, there's nothing personal it's just <laughs> business so and how people respond to those different um maneuvers i really like that and so daniel craig is upstairs smoking and not participating and he's obviously not happy about the whole thing and he comes downstairs to watch the speeches take yeah. place and kieran hines does a speech where he basically starts to drop some truth bombs about Paul Newman's character. And cut through and the Tom Hanks thing. steps in and stops that because this is a public place. Yeah. Tom Hanks and you DC... You can't be talking about... Do their henchman thing. Are we talking about the old boss? And they the get boss. him outside. And they send him off on his way. Yeah. Even and though they know what he's been saying is true. Everyone knows it's true, but like they're like, just start but playing the music again. It. And they get him outside and they put him in a car to get rid of him. And I loved this as a moment in Daniel Craig's career. Because then it's just... The screen and standing next to each other is Tom Hanks, Paul Newman, Daniel Craig, you know, like <laughs> the three characters. And I thought this would be so exciting. Like, you really feel like he's made it. You know, this, oh, is, this is making it with this role. He was so excited when he got it. That, well, yep. He describes in the book, apparently he sort of just got the call from Sam Mendes. What did they see him in? They saw him in... Sword of Honor, which is one of the TV movies that we haven't watched yet, but we have to because of their significance to his career, and um, called him in to sort of of offer it to him, essentially. And Daniel Craig, he got the job, and he went immediately to a bar, and he ordered two beers and two bourbons for himself, and then drank them. (laughs) A celebration. (laughs) What a strange combination. He likes a drink. Oh, and then all the cast went out for dinner, like, shortly before the movie was starting, and he was incredibly nervous around all these massive movie stars. And Paul Newman's really into cars. And at a certain point in the dinner, um, Paul Newman says something something about uh, a car he's got or a car he's working on and sort of directs it kind of towards Daniel Craig. And Daniel said, um, he said, I I love cars. They're really cool. (laughs) And is just mortified by how <laughs> what a silly thing he says. He just didn't know what to say. Apparently, Tom Hanks had a mouthful of food and like spits it out laughing. And so it just took him a while to adjust to this different level of human, you know. Obviously, like you, you, you're, you're, you're hanging out with the pantheon, American royalty. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that shot was really good. And I have to say, I feel like. I mean, obviously, it's going to be our criticism of it. One of my criticisms would be the way Daniel Craig's character fades from the story later on. He incites the story, and then in the second half, we don't we don't get very much of him. And I would have wanted to keep the story more tightly wound around these central sort of characters you've got, or this sort of family drama. Mm. And it gets and it gets difficult because the plot starts happening, and then. Tom Hanks is like kind of on the run, but they're not on the run and they leave when they go. And the plot gets very spread out geographically and it becomes a a movie kind of about being on the run, but they're always going to different places and that takes them away from the setting where all the main players are. And so then it's hard for them to interact. So I would have tried to have them all more stay in the same place. I think that having him travel as much as he does is fine because it gets a good Tom Hanks storyline but it would have been nice maybe to have maybe two extra scenes of Paul Newman's character getting information more about what Tom Hanks is doing. 
now that he's on the run. Yeah. So it's it's the night after the wake, and yeah, uh, Daniel Craig and Tom Hanks go to visit mm. Kieran. Yeah. Paul Newman and Tom Hanks play the piano together at the wake. They do in a very intimate moment when yeah, they, was which, I, which was, and then he puts his arm around him. Yeah. Mm. And Daniel Craig looks on, almost frowning, but then he smiles. Yeah. And, and he says the line to the little boy. Good line. What he says, Daniel Craig, what are you, what are you, Why smiling, are you smiling at? Why are you, you haven't seen, what are you smiling about? <laughs> I'm from Chicago or nearby. <laughs> from upstate New York. I'm from upstate New York, which is quite near Chicago. <laughs> Closer to Chicago than New York, because that's where we drive later in the film. I sound like I'm from London. What were you going to say? Uh, he says, Daniel Craig says the line, he goes... It's also fucking hysterical. It's also fucking hysterical. And walks away from the young boy. Yeah. And that's when you know... He's a wrong one. Daniel Craig's might be the villain of this film. Yeah, you'll never Daniel's guess. Daniel Craig's might be the bad guys in this film. You'll never guess Daniel Craig plays, plays a villain. <laughs> but um, he's not really like the main antagonist. No, he's just a shitty person. Yes. This is kind there of... isn't really a main antagonist to this film except... No, I think that's one of its strengths. I think they... I think... Um, Jude Law, when he comes into it, Jude fulfills Law's the role of an antagonist, baby, but yeah. they don't give him enough to be the antagonist. Yeah. And He's just there. Yeah. Here, Daniel Craig is, is doing his sort of his, his Sharps Eagle shtick, where he's not the main baddie. He's just another... Cog in the... In the unkind in the person world. who's just stirring shit up all the time. Um, and so the night after the wake... Tom Hanks and Daniel Craig go and get Karen Hines and they're talking to him in a warehouse, basically trying to be like, look, just move on, okay? Just relax about the whole thing and you need to shut the hell up. And Tom Hanks' son hides in the car and goes with him. So he sees all this happen. And Daniel Craig is a hothead and shoots Karen Hines and kills him. Dan- Tom Hanks has to shoot some police officers who were there. The kid sees it all. They come out and find the kid, and I the kid's world is shattered. Officers. They seem to be in very police officer clothing. I think they were just dudes who were, like, protecting um, Kieran, Kieran's character. But he has to kill people. He's, yeah. forced, he's forced to kill people because yeah. Daniel Craig shot a guy in the head. And Meanwhile, this is being watched by Michael. Yep. And Daniel Craig notices Michael because Michael can't hide very well. Mm. Tom Hanks finds out that his son has just witnessed him murder somebody, but also yep. mur- Daniel Craig murder somebody. Yeah. And this is all a big deal. Everyone is angry with Daniel Craig for doing this. Paul Newman isn't having any of it. They have a board meeting and he sort of tear- tears him a new one. It's clearly very angry. Uh, the kid starts acting out, has to draw lines on the board, write lines on the board like in The Simpsons. As you would if you witness somebody murder somebody else and yeah. are told not to tell anybody about it. Yeah. And Daniel father. Craig really starts to identify that he thinks he's got to do something about Tom Hanks and his kid. Yeah. And he, Tom Hanks is going out to do some heavy business to go and do some enforcing, which I think is kind of what um, he does. Oh, that's what... Uh, Daniel Craig... After the after the board meeting, Daniel Craig rushes out to Tom Hanks as just he's about to leave. Gives him a note, mm. says, "This is for somebody that Dad forgot to, to tell you to go yeah. visit. Go see Tony Calvino." Payments. So, Tom Hanks goes to visit the dude at the 1930s yeah. version of a strip club, 
Yeah, um, a speakeasy because this is prohibition, isn't it? It is prohibition. Yeah, so yeah, no, one's no, one's, no, one, no one's meant to be drinking. Only the cool people are. Um, and he has a really fun interaction with this doorman. Who, it's really cool, yeah. And it just and establishes the fact that Mike Sullivan is someone who's very well known. Tom Hanks is 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 just by just by name only. Everyone knows he's someone not to fuck with. Well, you can't look tell him by look because everyone dresses the same. Yeah, so like he's not, everyone he doesn't, dresses he doesn't have a visage that you could like. Yeah, picture in the doorway. Yeah, he's just like ah, oh, it's a generic man again. Yeah, and but apparently in, in the graphic novel, Mike Sullivan is known as the Angel of Death. Like Ooh. it's pulped up a lot more. His sort of. Cool. His, his reputation and this doorman he goes and stands in front of the door and the doorman and he's like are you gonna frisk me and the doorman's like should i it's probably a good idea <laughs> and he finds one gun tom hanks is like that's the only one he's like okay here you go let's just get this over with so they go into the office and the guy reads his note um and the and note says well we don't tom hanks doesn't know what the note says yet okay well and we'll the guy looks slow. scared for a minute and tom hanks starts to realize that there's something wrong yeah and so the him, guy the doorman and tom hanks all look at each other like five times in different <laughs> ways then the guy at the desk goes for his gun tom hanks snatches it first shoots him and the doorman and then reads the note mm. and the note said in what we assume is daniel craig's handwriting but yeah. tom hanks might assume it's somebody else's we don't really know at this point in time that the note says, kill Sullivan and all your debts are paid. So they sent him here to die. Meanwhile, Daniel Craig just puts on a balaclava and legit goes and just shoots Tom Hanks' wife and other child. Yeah, he thinks that it's, he thinks that it's Michael, mm. so he's killed. He thinks he's killed the kid who saw him and Tom Hanks' wife. Yeah. And just, there is the, Which my is favorite... So- like cold-blooded, and it's, I did not see coming. Fucked. And like he's a little drunk, I guess, but he's not drunk. He's just like yeah, no one's that drunk. And he's just he just and when he goes to leave the house, Michael gets home and is standing outside the front door. Mm. And one of the, my favorite parts of the film is that when the lights are on inside, you can't see through the glass. Mm. And Daniel Craig checks himself out in the in the yeah. glass. Michael thinks he's been seen. Yeah, you think Daniel Craig is looking out directly at him and mm. he takes the butterclava down so he sees his face. And then you see his view and he's just looking at himself. <sighs> so there's a lot in that that he's is, revealed himself by his sort of self-preoccupation and adjusting his hair and everything. And it's something that mir- it's mirrored later on where when Tom Hanks is shot and he's looking through the window out onto the out onto the beach... At his son. Um, also a frequent uh, feature of Edward Hopper paintings, to be looking at characters through, through windows. I so see. Take, make, of that, of, make of that what you will. Um, um, so yeah. Also reflections. You know what you can be reflected in? Water. That's a oh, motif. See, we're good at this. Shit. We films, are man. good at talking about films. And so now the plot has begun. Yes. Um, a murder has happened. An unnecessary murder has taken place. And, and no, Tom Hanks gets home. And realizes. now Tom Hanks is in the position of Pete, the son of the man who I love as a father and has sort of given me everything I have has now done something obviously abhorrent and intolerable. What do I do? So Tom it's Hanks, a, legitimately a situation where there is no obvious next step. No. Tom Hanks' is first decision or i'd say his main goal from that point is to kill daniel craig because he knows daniel craig yep. did this fair enough but he so yeah. he he um basically like the- he understands that the mob in his town where he lives 
Yeah. Do they name in... that town? No, I don't think they do. Yeah. Which, there's I, Chicago, which I like. There's Perdition, and then there's just this other. I like it. Town. It's just stated that Paul Newman runs this town. Like mm. that's from the get go. Yeah. Um, Purgatory. Oh. Chicago's heaven somehow because all the hotels are nice. Their town, they live in the middle of nowhere, nameless. Purgatory. I think Perdition is heaven. No, Perdition means hell. So Road to Perdition, this movie is about their road to that town, but also the road to hell that Tom Hanks' character has been on that he's trying to save his son from. Spoilers. So. He does. Um, so Tom Hanks' plan is then to go to Chicago with his yeah. son and, and I like that basically Daniel Craig... speak to a higher up. Well, go go just to the next level of management. Not the top. The next level of management. Yeah, well, I wasn't sure. So he goes to he goes to Chicago to talk to Stanley Tucci. He goes to talk to Stanley the great Tucci. Great and powerful, and powerful Stanley Tucci. The only dialogue that says why he's doing that is because Stanley Tucci is the man who makes things happen. So mm. it's clear that he is the one step above Cog in the web of what this mob is. So well, you have I wasn't Paul sure. Newman's character answers to Stanley Tucci's character Stanley Tucci's character and Stanley Tucci obviously answers to like Al Capone or whoever it is whoever's in charge. Well, I wasn't sure whether he was meant to be I think he's clearly a more powerful person, but I kind of got the impression that Paul Newman runs that town that they're in and Stanley Tucci was just the Chicago mob because Stanley Tucci's Italian. So the Italian mob would be different to the Irish mob. Well, I don't think they town. are necessarily the Irish mob. I think they're just the mob. I think they are. I don't know. Are you looking at? I don't know. That's how the, it's how that's how they're described. Oh, Wikipedia. It's a page. story about the Irish. I see. And I think, but obviously they'd be inter interconnected in all sorts of you would assume ways. So. They'd have to have agreements with each other not I, to go shooting each other. All yeah, the time. and I got the impression that maybe Tom Hanks has done some. He's done some work for him as well as like a separate employer to the mob of his town. Mm. And he's asking Stanley Tucci, will you, you help me, me? Yeah. while I kill these motherfuckers who killed my family? Yeah. yeah. There's a, Stanley's like, no, nah, bro. Yeah. And so this was, this is the midpoint of the movie. So so a few things happened just, just before that. So Daniel, when, when Paul Newman finds out what Daniel Craig has done, he like hits him a lot. So, oh. so establishing that Paul Newman is a character that, whilst being this presumably ruthless mob leader, has a moral compass, and he, he says there's the a words, limit. I the day you were born. Yeah, and Ugh. and Daniel Craig's immorality is of is you know produced by the behaviors of his father and the mob sort of lifestyle he lives in. But there's a difference in what they're they're willing to do because he's because Daniel Craig is bitter, whereas Paul Newman is sort of has been, I guess, happy in his life as a as a mobster, and that sort of gives yeah. him a different sense of what he's, he is and is not willing to do. And you get to see awesome cowering by mm. Daniel Craig as his father is berating him. Yeah, great vulnerability. Great. It's it's a good scene. And yeah, then they that's really good Daniel Craig acting. Proper and Daniel Craig. Tom Hanks goes somewhere to get something, I can't remember what, and he tells his son to stay in the car. And one of my favorite lines of the whole movie is he's telling, if I, if I don't come back, go to some place, go to this priest. Oh, they go to the hotel where they held the wake. Yeah. And he goes, go to see this priest. And he goes, don't go to Father Calloway. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think we've seen or interacted with Father Calloway No, at they don't take place in come the film on at all. It's just nice it's to just, know that they flesh the world out that much to know that just, there's this a priest, priest is in on it. That will betray you. This priest is the good one to go to. <sighs> 
Yes. Little little things like that. And he says, go to the lot. go to the Protestant one, not the Catholic one. Yeah. He goes, go 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 see um, pastor, not pastor. What's the other one? Because he calls one Father Calloway and the other one is Reverend. Reverend. He calls one Reverend and the oh, other one's okay. Father Calloway. Mm. And like he says, go see Reverend. What's his face? Because you can trust. Oh, I just thought that was so cool. Yeah. And then. He goes to see Stanley Tucci. And I think Stanley Tucci's oh, no. performance um, is... He, at the, when he's at the hotel, tells the kid that he goes inside yeah. to kill Daniel Craig, technically. But Daniel Craig's not there. The other guy's there. One of the other mob leader dudes and at the says, town. And he says, look, give this is 25 grand. Oh, yeah. Rooney's trying to buy him off. You can he? leave. And Paul Newman says, the end of it. Paul Newman is saying, can I give you 25 grand? Sorry about your wife and child. Mm. We good? And Tom Hanks is like, Nah. Give him a message instead. And the dude's like, what's the message? And Tom Hanks shoots him in the face. Yeah. Oof. And that's the first time mm. and I think only time in the film where Tom Hanks shoots somebody and gets blood upon himself and the, upon himself is just the tips of his hand. Yeah. And so frequently this movie is, it's the violence occurs sort of off screen. Yeah. It pans away from it. It's not very gratuitous, mm. which um, which is an interesting choice. And then when he gets to Stanley Tucci, who I think his I think his performance is brilliant because mm. it's so understated. He's just an he's just a dude. He's just a guy doing his job. He's just a businessman. Sophisticated. But, Stan, but Stanley Tucci has that just re just effortless gravitas, where he 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 his character clearly has a lot of power, and you know he has a lot of power because he doesn't have to show that he has a lot of power. Mm. He just has it. And just you believe everything he says, and he he doesn't have to like looking at you, Tom Hardy. You don't have to chew the scenery all the time to make <laughs> your performance, you know, Are you complex about and that rich. Movie where he played twins. I'm talking about a bunch of his movies, and I think like <laughs> Capone is really the latest in a string of. You just need to try different gear. I love Tom Hardy. Me too. But you just need so short. like. I think he's he's a little bit of that like better acting. The best acting is the most acting, and he, sometimes less. But see, that's where Nicolas Cage went wrong. Like Nicolas Cage does all of the acting possible, and he's yeah. fantastic at doing all of the acting possible. Yeah, but it's just a bit much sometimes. Well, I think Nicolas Cage is better at choosing roles that benefit from having the most acting in them. <laughs> Whereas I think Tom Hardy has selected some roles that could have had a gentler touch, but then he's like. <laughs> See, that's I must why find I one like of us in the wreckage, and it's just too much. So much. It's Fury Road. He gets no lines yes. and no chance to do that. Good point, actually. Yeah, such a good film. Yeah, and Warrior. Actually, he. Yeah, what I'm talking about, he has done a bunch of times, but in his sort of smaller roles. Inception, you know, just sits there, and mm. there's, and I love his character in Inception because you too. don't get a lot of information, <laughs> but he says like he says lines in a way that hints at all the stuff the character has going on. No, he's cool. Tom Hardy. Tom We're Hardy. Tangenting again. Um, and so this is the midpoint of the movie, and Stanley Tucci gives his speech. So this should be where the narrative. Stanley and Tucci the basically says flips. If you go down the road of getting revenge, mm-hmm. I cannot protect you and won't even try. So it's probably best, bruh, to just let it go. Let me explain something to you you may not understand. Ooh. All these years, you've been living under the protection of people who care about you. And those same people are protecting you now, including me. So if you go ahead with this, if you open that door, you're walking through it alone. And all that loyalty and all that trust will no longer exist for you. 
And Mike, you won't make it. Not on your own. And not with a little boy. And that is the story of our second half of the movie, where Tom Hanks decides to walk through that door with a little boy and survive. try and survive. Because this is kind of his last hope of, am I not going to be on my own? Is the organization, is the system I've bought into going to give me a way out of this? And it's basically, no, every door is shut. And not in a mean way. It's just lovely Stanley Tucci saying, no, just this is the... You can leave if you want. This is the way the system works, and I can't help you with this. That's Stanley Tucci saying it. But in the next room is DC and Paul Newman listening to the conversation. Mm. And as as Tom Hanks leaves, they're like, no, you got to kill him. And so Stanley's like, okay, I yeah. guess I'll have to kill him. And so they make the like the decision that they're going to... Mm. kill him so tom hanks escapes basically yeah. like they don't kill him in the building he just mm. finds a sneaky way out of the building yeah and his mission from that point is to steal a fuck ton of money from the mob yeah so his plan from then on is to start stealing their money and the mob's plan so and this is like a little bit of a plot problem for me where they they're like right we need to we need to whack this guy we need to get rid of him to do that let's hire one massive weirdo <laughs> and just hope he can do it well, he's done it before. They've hired him before. Yeah. And I love that it's so it's Jude Law doing with his weird teeth and hair. And a weird as, gait. As Jude like Law loves to do. Weirdly. Oh, yeah. He's got a sort of Jokerish, it's, vaudeville, it's wide foot creepy. stance, mm. which I really like. He's doing, he's doing a great job. He does. A great and he's job. kind of based on a real life person who would do photographs of crime scenes. Um, and crime scenes that he. Uh, I don't know, but some of the photos that Jude Law has up in his apartment are uh, real actual? life crime scene photos oh, from geez, the 30s cool. that, that 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 guy took. Ooh. So that's pretty cool. And he gets the call and he's obviously just he's also a hitman and he's going to go and kill Tom Hanks and his kid. Here's my hot take. The have the mob have the mob hire just some other people to go and get Tom Hanks. You don't really see who they are. They're just more of like a Knights of Ren kind of presence. Yeah. But the the person who is going to get them is Jude Daniel Law. Craig. Oh, who hires them all? No, as in because the story of the second half of the movie, in a way, is Jude Law chasing Tom Hanks, and I think if it had just been Daniel Craig chasing Tom Hanks, yeah, like let me prove I... myself to you, Dad, that would have made it tighter, and it would and it would have given all the characters more. They would have interacted in more interesting ways, and. Because Jude, because Jude Law, I mean, I think he works in all sorts of ways, and his performance is brilliant, and the lines he's given to good, mm. to give are brilliant as well. But he is an addition; he's not in the graphic novel. He's something they came up with for the movie. I think um, the way they keep Daniel Craig's character in the hotel to protect him is a really cool plot point. That's like a John Wick one thing where the, the kid does something stupid. It's a very the, yeah, it's a very like, reasonable. We're going to hide you because this guy's going to come kill you. Mm. But I think. If you do with that thing, the way John Wick does it is that he comes to kill the kid. Massive action sequence happens. He kills a fuck ton of people to get to the kid. In this film, that doesn't happen. He just basically takes his time getting there. And Stanley's like, when it gets to that point, Stanley's like, yeah, Yeah. okay, he's in this room. And all the dudes just open the door for him. He just walks in. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, That is cool as well. It is a cool thing. But like, there's that, that I think if it was... If it was, if you got more scenes of Daniel Craig getting 
angry about being trapped in this hotel because mm. for his protection, it would have made it mean a little bit more instead of just like the two scenes that we did get. Yeah, he's just such a significant part of the beginning of the movie. He's and made then... to be a significant part or like he's made to well, seem he... like, but it's just other people talking about him. He's not there. No, but yeah, but, but his, his actions and his choices yeah. start the movie. So it just, it just seems strange that he, and it, that he's taken out, he's taken out of it so much. Like, Probably just for his own protection. I mean, apparently. if he's the one chasing Tom Hanks in the second half, then you got a lot more Oscar buzz. I'll tell you that much. You do, but also you remove the whole um, Tom Hanks going to ask his father's permission to kill him. Well, no, I think all that could still happen. Because if you... he's hunting Tom Hanks, if he gets there, Tom Hanks is going to kill him. And then that's the end. Tom Hanks has taken revenge and that's the character gone. Like there's no, I think you need the Jude Law character to be hunting Tom Hanks because that's someone that Tom Hanks doesn't care about, but who is hunting Tom Hanks. So it forces Tom Hanks to keep going on the adventure. If Tom Hanks was being hunted by the person he wants to kill, he'll just stop running, kill that person. And then move along, you know what I mean? Kind of. So but I don't I like, think I like them keeping Daniel Craig in captivity, but I do think he should have been in captivity at the same place Paul Newman was, or so Tom Hanks has to go on the run to that place instead of doing all of this, then killing Paul Newman and his friends, and then going to Stanley, hey, they're all dead now. Can I kill this guy? He's the last one. Yeah. And Stanley's maybe. like, I guess, but that's the end, right? And it's like, yeah. You know? Yeah, I think if you just if you if Daniel Craig's character was was as twisted and conflicted and wanted his father to love him, but more competent, it, it would be cool if Daniel then, Craig snuck out to so, go kill Tom Hanks. Yeah, and so yeah, that, yeah. So I'm not saying it was all with Paul Newman's um, blessing, mm. but have him out there as this as as this wild card that legitimately that is a real legitimate oh. threat to Tom Hanks that Tom Hanks may not be able to defend him as, himself against, especially because he's driven by, you know, It'd getting be... the love of his father. It's tough because I love everything Jude Law does if still. it's the exact same as it is. So um, Jude Law's hired to go kill him. Daniel Craig is kept in captivity, but he hates being in captivity. He feels mm. like a prisoner, as he states. Mm. He escapes captivity and goes to hunt Tom Hanks to end it all so he doesn't have to be in captivity anymore. He said, I'm going to finish it. I started this. I'm going to do it. So nobody knows that he's out there hunting Tom Hanks. Not even mm-hmm. the mob knows. And so he's just this presence on the road as well. It gets to a point where Jude Law is about to kill Tom Hanks. Daniel Craig kills him. Like kills Jude Law's character. So that he can kill so Tom Hanks. So that he can kill Tom Hanks. Yeah, that'll be good as well. That'll be a cool ending. I, I love the ending well. of this film. The, like, yeah. I like the way that mm. happens. Yeah. But because I like that it gets to a point where you've just completely forgotten about Jude Law's character. Yeah. Whereas, like, you have that... Which, I think, yeah, which we'll, we'll get to, because I don't, I don't know, quite know about that bit, but... I do. Um, I, I thought it was cool, because, like, I, yeah. he's robbing, they're robbing banks, technically, and stealing only the mob's money. That's their yeah. goal. Yeah, Tom Hanks is robbing banks, which turns out is super easy. And so he's super chill about it. He's nice. He just to walks into banks in the middle of the day and they're, they're points a gun over the desk. About. Yeah, and and, and they, he's just saying, "Give me the mob's money." Yeah, because of who I am. And somehow, I don't know that bit got a little bit confusing for me. And he then, teaches his son to drive to be a getaway driver, and there's a fun cool, gag yeah. where the car comes into frame really slowly <laughs> to pick up to pick up his dad. The, I really liked Jude Law's investigation. So he goes to Tom Hanks's wife's funeral. 
and just like assimilates into the house and walks around the house and gets. Yeah. I love that. His way movies. of being creepy was very good. Like, and he's yeah. he's clearly a very proficient, yeah, creepy person. Yeah, really competent, evil investigator hitmen in movies. Yeah. I could just watch all day. Oh, definitely. Um, no what, Country for Old Men. No Country for Old Men is the uh, example mm. of that. Or someone who just has that this sociopathic confidence that means they, they, they that seem means like they're in, it's effortless. completely in, invincible, like nothing's yeah. going to get them. They're just always on the go. Yeah, and they find out where people are and what they're doing and everything they need to know to do their evil act almost without even really trying because yeah. they just move in this evil like they sort of, flow through their world like yeah assembly. they they move they move like water so and it makes their the thing they're ultimately going to do which you don't want them to do feel inevitable and that makes it scary when the bad person doesn't have to try very hard to get you that's when it's that's scary proper scary yeah uh it gets to a point where tom hanks um is going on this thing it's not really explained what he's searching for really he's just taking money he yeah, I don't know what he was going to do town. with it. They paint the car a different color, so they're in hiding. Mm-hmm. And they pull up across the road from a hotel. Oh, no, he gets to a bank, and the bank's already been cleared by the accountant. So yeah. he goes to the next town in his list, and there's a hotel there. Mm. And they park across the road. Tom Hanks walks in. Just before that, there was, just have to mention it, the classic diner scene with Jude Law. Ah, uh, that was before, that was that's before the... um bank robberies even start so i think they they yeah yeah it's before the bank it's before he teaches his son how to drive technically yeah so just before the bank robbery start we get um jude law goes to the wake finds out where um tom hanks is heading and follows mm-hmm. yeah. to a diner yeah and we get a little scene where into they get a, to in, in, into an edward hopper painting yeah and you're great and you just get to see tom hanks manage the situation very well in sort of the least in the like the safest least confrontational way just leave out the back he does yeah takes the knife of his plate to stab his tires but like it also sets up like it make he takes the knife ready for like a fight in the bathroom or something yeah. you're like ooh, what's gonna happen yeah i love that so, yeah see it's 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 judo it's not how do i fight this guy to get out it's like no i'm not even gonna have to fight him i'm just going to slip out of the situation cool that shows he's just really really good at what he does and you get your other sort of thesis statement of the movie where Jude Law saying to get to get paid to do what you love isn't that ain't ain't that the dream? Mm. And because the other sort of theme is, I guess, sort of freedom and lawlessness, and when you exist outside the law to do some to 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 do what you want, you might initially think that that is a dream, but it's going to become its own kind of trap in the end as well. Yeah. Uh, so Tom Hanks, the trap escapes, of society, also the theme. And Jude Law kills a cop. American Beauty, and that's another. A uh, level of Jude Law being great, the bad maybe. guy by just shooting a cop. Which, that uh, shot was really well done, actually. Kevin Spacey becomes. We're not talking about Joe Rogan great. a little bit. When Tom Hanks runs. Not talking about Kevin Spacey. No, we're not. You don't want to dig into the Kevin Spacey. I'd rather not talk about Kevin Spacey as much as we can. All I'll say is I wish he was a worse actor. Me too. Because <laughs> it's a real shame. Like, there why is do you have to be films now that you're like, truly oh, awful? Why are you a dickhead? At like one of like kind of the worst a person can be, and now also evidently insane based on your YouTube channel. He's got a YouTube channel. You... I don't want to watch it. Yeah, I do. I will. I will. There will be a a, a bucket, and I'm gonna go yeah. down that that well. Yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, we shouldn't we shouldn't get into it because it does kind of conflict with the tone of this overall podcast. But there are people who were giving evidence against him in various court cases who have mysteriously died, and then he put out a YouTube video entitled "Kill Them with Kindness," where he's kind of in the character of Frank Underwood, uh, just saying really really creepy stuff. Um, cool. So Tom Hanks escapes, and Dylan Baker has taken all the money out of the banks. Yeah. So rob, rob, bank rob, bank rob, bank robbing montage, which is always fun. <laughs> and then he and, gets to it, and there's no more money. And Dylan Baker, and I, I like, I really enjoy him as an actor as well. Me too. He always adds, Have you he seen adds a lot. Amazon. Um, Not if it's hunters? on Amazon. No. The Hunters or Hunters? No, it's Al Pacino, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. No. Pretty good. Good. Good Dylan Baker in that. Hit it up if you want to. If you want to okay. get some, get some sweet Nazi, Nazi stuff. Tom Hanks comes into the room and he's basically been. He, and now, now things now got, it doesn't make sense. Got more so confusing because now it's also all about paperwork and accounting paperwork. Well, I don't yeah, understand why he's this gone is what to we're the doing. Accountant who's clearly taken all the money out of the bank for whatever reason. He says, "I need it all, whatever's in there." And he gets this big ass chest. And you're like, "Cool, this is going to be full with yeah. evidence against the mob that he can shut them down." Jude Law has been watching from across the street. Comes in with a shotgun and he sees Tom Hanks going in, so he comes in. And Dylan Baker's all like, I'm fumbling with the keys. Oh, oh okay. no. Because he somehow, I think he knows Jude Law's on his way. Probably. I think he knows This will go a little bit Jude confusing. And then this is my problem because Jude Law is clearly like a genius hitman or whatever. He's evil. And his approach is to kick a door in and, and just fire a, sh- a shotgun <laughs> almost blindly into the room. I loved like, it, though. I feel like Jude Law it would be bullet in the back of the head. You'd never see it coming. It'd be wait at the front door or like get in the hallway and wait until he leaves the room. Yeah, you'd be like riding on a train and you just get knifed from behind and sat down in a chair so people think you're asleep. Like, that's exactly. how Jude Law would do it. Um, do you so, think Common is still alive in John Wick? Common? Yeah. I hope so. Because he's cool and like I like that he leaves him that way. Yeah. He's just like, I'll see you around. Yeah. They could just start also, bringing like, people back. like when he back. says, I'll see you around. Like people say that a lot in John Wick. I'll see yeah. you. And like, no, you won't because the yeah. person's dying or like, that's cool. Yeah. And like Ruby just... Rose's character. Mm-hmm. I'll see you around. Yeah. And real harsh. <laughs> <laughs> no, you won't because you're dead. Um, and, the, and it doesn't work at all. Um, Jude Law accidentally shoots Dylan Baker through the wall and Tom Hanks manages to like shoot a lamp that explodes in Jude Law's face, yeah, and we later find out villain. turns him into a Bond villain. Which I thought was cool. Like he's just got these bit, little tiny cuts. Bit much. <laughs> yeah. So much blood, obviously, because there would be. Yeah. But, like, I guess he didn't leave all the all the glass in like yeah. he's in a <laughs> Pierce Brosnan. Like diamonds in his face. <laughs> yeah. And Tom Hanks makes a getaway, but Jude Law gets a shoots him in the arm. And they go to a farmhouse. And they and live they there for a couple of weeks with, a with friendly, some cool people. Friendly older Complete couple. strangers. Mm. It's Michael's doing that they're there and they just hang out. Michael yeah. helps on the farm for a little bit. And Tom Hanks gets to know his son a little bit more. He does. But they he also a... finds what the paperwork was. Yeah. And I can I just say, I didn't give a shit about this paperwork. At this point, I wasn't caring about the paperwork. I Beautiful. just wanted the film to be like... Beautiful scene between him, him and his son. About nightmares. He, he just says, so what do you like? like? What do you like at school? And he says, Bible study. <laughs> Tom Hanks is like, really? <laughs> Fucking nerd. All right. Jeez. I never didn't liked realize, didn't realize. Didn't realize things were that bad. So, so that, that was really nice. And see, when I was 
saying the only issue I could have would be with some with some of the pacing. Like after that midpoint, after with the Stanley Tucci scene, where it should be right, Jude Law turns up, let's go. The movie stays quite slow and it's quite meditative sort of the whole the there whole are time. Parts where it's sort of like the the montage of bank robberies is I think levity. Yeah. In, in the thing where it's sort of like, this is a pace, mm. but we're not running. Yeah. This is just like, oh, we're going to have some like comedic exits from these yeah. bank robbers. But I, I think the, Tom Hanks has essentially made excommunicado. Yeah. And the <laughs> fear of being in that state, I think, could have been made more visceral. It could have the, been like, they go to a hotel and he's always looking out the window. Yeah. Like, like you've been a member of this in-group your entire life mm. and now you're on the outside and they are trying to kill you and It'd the entire world is now dangerous to you. Having a little bit more of him always being wary of anyone wearing a dark coat with the hat down like standing yeah. in the corners. Like that's what I would usually do. Is yeah. that a me? Is that a me? Yes. Is that the <laughs> And it's difficult because it's the depression because everyone looks like a me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, so they stay in this farmhouse. So, so I think it's, it's it's lacking that, and it like the 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 whole the beginning of the, of the trajectory is like ooh atmosphere atmosphere, and that's all very well and good. And then I feel like it kept being like ooh atmosphere atmosphere, and like no not atmosphere, I just think- have them be have. Just let it let let the pulse of the movie go up a little bit. When for this, when they have their part. little montage and then stay at the farmhouse, I think is not in the atmosphere of when they're in mob town. When they're in mob town, everything's dreary and wet and rainy. But while, while they're at the farmhouse just chilling, yeah, they get to know rain. each other. It doesn't rain. It's just nice weather. It's warm lighting. They're just relaxing. And he's like reading mm. his paperwork, trying to find details about stuff. And he finds yeah. some stuff about DC, which kicks off the final act of the thing. Um, so he finds out that Daniel Craig's character has been skimming and stealing stuff from his father. Yeah. And so, yeah, t- t- Tom Hanks realizes that Daniel Craig's been stealing money. But I immediately was like, well, he won't care about that. Yeah, no one a, cares about that anymore. A, he almost definitely knows. <laughs> and B, I think he, Paul Newman has made it pretty clear he's ride or die with his son. Yeah, based like, on everything else. As that's much happened. as I care about you, Tom Hanks. Yeah, he's literally whereas, my son. Whereas Tom Hanks seems to be like, "Aha! I've got the thing that will finally turn the tide." I'm like, no, it won't, and it doesn't. He confronts Paul Newman with that information, and Paul Newman. Oh, they leave a little bit of money for the farmers. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, in a lovely duffel bag. Yeah, they get say. to keep, and they get to keep the bag. <laughs> Is that Thirty Rock? I think that might be from Thirty Rock. I get. To, I don't know if anyone listening knows where that. That sort of like quote is from. I don't think it's from Ferdy Rock. I think it's somebody got some idiot character wins a prize. There's so people man, people are participating bag. in some kind probably of probably Troy. It's definitely it sounds like Troy from Community in my head. It's definitely a Troy from Community. Life. People from some sort of sitcom are doing googling the phrase doesn't get you anywhere. I know just... I did it before, but I'm going to go Troy <laughs> quotes and okay. just while we while we finish this chat, I'm going to scroll. Okay, all right. This well, good. Good multitasking. Um, and so Newman's basically, and Newman basically just says, no, I still don't care. You just got to get out of here, mate. Yeah. Or is he, or is he saying, no, we're still going to have to kill you basically. It's by, yeah, well, no, he's saying you just have to leave because at this point they're not actively trying to kill him. 
It's well, just they've hired one guy to do it, and that guy's not done his job. I think it must still be their policy to kill him, and I think that must be what Tom Hanks thinks. Otherwise, he would have just left. Well, or is it he meant to be that left because he's just because he, like, he wants still, to kill Daniel Craig so badly? Still to kill Daniel Craig's character. Okay, which is why he comes through and says, "Look, your son's mm. this. Can I kill him?" Yeah, your son's stealing. It's like I know, but he's my son. Yeah, and they're under a church. And yeah. I'm like, are you gonna just kill Paul Newman under a church? Because yeah, fucking badass. Yeah, I can't. He's my son, and he, and he's the most beautiful man in the world. He's he Britain's, is best, Britain's actor. best actor. Daniel Craig. <laughs> he has an incredibly tough and strong physical presence, and yet a palpable emotional uh, emotionality and vulnerability that's there just below the surface with his beautiful moist eyes and lips. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, hey, <laughs> I'm not wrong. Um, and so then, so then basically Tom Hanks shoots, ambushes Paul Newman, shoots all of his henchmen in the rain, and then shoots Paul Newman. Great sort scene of, of completely dark street. Paul Newman literally dark. stands leaning against a car while eight dudes around him slowly get yeah. shot from one yeah. cartridge of atomic And it's sort of muted audio, emotional music. So there's no tension of what's going to happen. It's presented as just sort of the playing out of an inevitability. Yeah. Like he is inevitable. Because um, oh, he's the angel of death. Because he's the angel of he's death. Tom, he's John Wick. Yeah, this he's is the nineteen thirties John Wick. Yeah, this is this is the only time we saw him as that sort of Babu Yaga type. Where, <laughs> but which which fine, but I would have liked a little bit more technicality to it. Like all he did was stand in the dark and shoot them with a Tommy gun. Like have similar to him taking the knife to to stab the car tires. I would have enjoyed just hit, show like, him having the like complete darkness around them and then just the tommy gun fires from one end and takes out two dudes and then gone mm. and then the tommy gun fires from somewhere else yeah you don't have to see tom hanks doing all this badass action stuff it's just that yeah it just comes out of the shadows or he makes them run and gets them into a place where they're trapped you know mm. so just a little bit of strategy and tactic there mm. would have would have I been like cool not seeing tom hanks as a terrifying character though because like you can't yeah. like i can't picture tom see hanks that was a good choice as a terrifying character because that's he's he's Tom Hanks. He's the father figure, so you got to respect mm. him, even though he's killing all these people. It's like, yeah, that's still Tom Hanks. He's doing what's right, I guess. <laughs> it's definitely not. He's killing the mob, though. He's killing the killers. now. Now there are five less after just killing killers. whoever for how long? He hasn't been killing anyone. No, no. He's the only people he killed was the dudes at the start. He's not the angel of killing the dudes at the start. Oh no, I think I th- I think, and I'd like to. I'd like to hope that Tom Hanks's enforcement of, as part of the mob is only to end the lives of bad people. Yeah. Because well, the only I don't think you should think that. that. You end are also mob people. Because I think this film is like founded you... on that not being true. Like, <laughs> the whole point is he has done evil but things. It's and Tom is... Hanks. Yeah. See that feeling there. That's the feeling you're meant to be having. But it's Tom. It's Tommy. Yeah. Tommy H. <laughs> Tommy Hanks. He's got that Tommy gun. That- oh, what was it he put out when he put out a tweet about because when, when he had coronavirus that time, mm-hmm. and um, he <laughs> signed he signs it off H A N X. Oh, nice. Instead of saying thanks, Hanks. Hanks. That's why we celebrate Tom Hanks giving every year. What a great bloke. He is um, a great bloke. So yeah. So he comes fine and and ve- and. Very it's, emotionally acted scene when he has to 
shoot his father figure essentially it is and i they, i, I says really i'm glad it's you one shot though like i don't love you want just the one Tom bullet Hanks character sat there for like 30 seconds just laying into paul newman with a tommy gun mm. just emptying the rest of his canister into paul newman's chest yeah i like i don't think that was very in keeping with the fact that this man is your father figure yeah like it'd be it'd be a, an emotional one shot like yeah God. you also yeah you wouldn't you wouldn't want to shoot his face in yeah you wouldn't want to, like <laughs> you wouldn't want to collapse i'm not just going to shoot my dad i'm going to shoot him to bits he's, <laughs> I'm, he's going to be ribbons when i'm done with him yeah yeah because that's clearly what yeah. would have happened he should have put down the gun. she should have put down the tommy gun take out another gun that's easier to because i'm is Tommy Gun one of those ones where you, if you hold the trigger down? I don't know. A Tommy Gun is just you hold the trigger. Like, and so it's, it's, just, it's automatic. Bu, 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 yeah. That's what automatic means. He's not it? pulling the trigger like 50 times. <laughs> it's just he squeezes it my once. Finger, so technically he did shoot him once. My finger is killing me. <laughs> I shot two people. Um, so he kills them all and then he calls Stanley Tucci. And he's like, can I kill Daniel Craig now? And Daniel Craig is like, oh, Stanley Tucci is like, will that be it? And he's like. But like, I like that you don't get to see Tom Hanks' right. side of that conversation. It's just you see Stanley Tucci on and the phone just, being like, yeah, okay. Yeah, but eighteen sixty-two. promise me that's it. Once yeah. that's done, that's it. And he just like, okay. gives him the hotel suite number. Yeah, and just hangs up the phone. Powerful, powerful Stanley Tucci. Oh, that's great. And then you just get a scene of Tom Hanks. Walks in. Walks in. The dude lets him into the elevator. Yeah, and the shoots. The door's already open. Naked Daniel Craig. And Daniel Craig gets to be naked again. And how? And and he's shot in the bath. And how do we finally see? What's our last shot of Daniel Craig? In a mirror. A reflection. Ooh. Bringing back. But also that motif. That not sure what it means. Haven't thought about it for long enough. It's done very well because it's the one shot just following him as he walks into the room, shoots him three times, and walks out bumping into the door, and which to, pulls the door closed and a he little bit. He has to bump the door so it comes in enough to be able to see the reflection. Yeah. That's well, that's well done. I like that. Yeah, yeah, and good dead acting from Daniel Craig. Great dead acting, Daniel. How, you look so dead. How many movies has he died in? Um, we're gonna find out. Yeah, true. Up till now, how many? Up is till it? now, he died in the trench. He died in Elizabeth, we're meant to assume. Mm. He died in this. Mm. He did not die in Power of One, did he? Yeah, he gets shot in Power of One. Just count quietly. That'd be great. Well, he's died five times, but in Lara Croft he comes back. Yeah. So, four, five. Sharp Eagle? Yeah, that's in there. And there Power might have been other, other TV movies we haven't watched it yet. Well, he doesn't die in that. Yeah, he does. He gets shot. He gets oh, knocked yeah. out. He gets back to life. Oh, but yeah. Then the other guy kills him. In my head, it's I'm just, just seeing the hero. <laughs> I'm like, no, the hero doesn't die in that. That wouldn't be Daniel Craig. And then you think everything's fine. And Tom Hanks and his son leave. And now they're going to Perdition, which they is the town the his sister house. lives it's in. It's pretty. It's a beautiful a beach. Lots of parallels here to the end of the road. So I like that. And <laughs> with dog and beach, etc. Um, and they go up into the house. And his sister and whoever aren't there. Do you think we're, are we meant to think Jude Law killed them, or are they just I not there? So. I think because the dog's still there, mm. we're meant to think that the Sad. sister is now dead. And Tom Hanks is looking out over the beach, looking at his son. We're looking in through the window from outside, and he gets shot twice by Jude Law, who is in a shadow that we saw before. Yeah, and like when Tom Hanks falls out of the shadow, Jude Law is noticeable now, even though he would have been there previously. So is it that just no one told Jude Law? That things were different now? 
I think so. Because it's hard to get word I around think in those Laws days. I got hired and is doing his job, but I don't... And I think because it's... Because Jude Law Cause was following him to perdition at the first place. He knew that that's where he was going to yeah, go. So and he, now Jude Law has found out, oh, wait, he's killed all these people. I need to kill him. He's scarred my face. I'm going to uh, go that, that would be it. Jude Law. I'm going to go kill That's him. why they do... He just hates him because he scarred his face up. Yeah. And then we get... Because everyone who hired him. Jude Law is dead. Except Stanley Tucci. Stanley Tucci would have hired Jude Law. I, I guess kind yeah. of. But mostly. But mostly. Yeah. Um. Mostly the mayonnaise guy. Then you get us, like, Tom Hanks doesn't die straight away. He's just, like, slumped He's against lingering. the thing. Jude Law gets to be proper creepy and put his camera up, get ready to take a photo. Yeah. Then little kid's got a gun. Also, if you don't want to draw attention to yourself, maybe take a few photos of people who are clearly still alive and dying. Mm. <laughs> this guy's half sitting up with his eyes open, pointing at you. No, he was dead. That was rigor mortis. I think this was a personal photo, though. This one wasn't for the papers. Yeah, sure. That's just for his journal. <laughs> this one's just for me. That's just for his. That's just for the scrapbook. <laughs> Between you and me, Tommy, this one's going in my bedroom. It's going on my dream collage. This one's going on the ceiling above my bed. I'm going to look at you while I sleep. Okay, we don't need that voice, I don't think. That's the voice the users in the film. Look, Isaac... It's been a tough year for all of us, okay? We don't we don't need that mixed into everything else, okay? <laughs> so Welcome Mikey's got a gun. Creepy what is it? Mikey's got a gun. <laughs> <laughs> creepy what? Never mind. I'm not gonna do it. Okay. Um sure. Okay. What's the word when someone's aroused by dead bodies? Necrophilia. Ne- necrophilia, yeah. Let's do our best necrophiliac impressions. <laughs> Jude Law. Welcome, welcome, back, welcome back to necrophilia, question mark. Is it okay? Kid comes in with a gun. <laughs> the theme of this movie, you know, complex moral ethical questions. Kid you know. comes in with a gun. <laughs> Jude Law has, doesn't have his gun anymore. No. And the kid's going to shoot him. And, so, and this is kind of the climax of, is the kid going to go down the same road as... The father is being exposed to all this violence, going to breed violence in him. And Tom Hanks takes the hit again and shoots Jude Law himself from behind. And the kid says to Dad, I couldn't do it. I couldn't kill him. Yeah. And Tom Hanks says, I know. Yeah. Which is what 80% of people say in films before they die, I think. I know you couldn't do it. Yeah. So I did it. Yeah. And then he says he's sorry. And then the kid gets yeah. a nice little end so, monologue as well as the start one. Yeah. Talks about his dad. Says, yeah. But because his dad has this, the same name as him. Well, you, he could you've be gotten really hung himself. up on this. Yeah. <laughs> because he says, when people ask me, was Mike Sullivan a good man? They could be asking if if he is a good man. Yes. They, but he, every, they time could, he, every time someone says that, he says, he was my father. Imagine if someone come up to you, if your dad's name was Sam Brookfield. Talk about missing the wood for the trees. If your dad's name was also Sam Brookfield and someone came up to you and said, Sam Brookfield a good person? Would you say he was my father? What if someone said, was Sam Brookfield a good person? And also, it depends on the context. Were you a good person? When? But I I am present. (laughs) That's not the past. You know, it would be clear from the conversation you're having whether you are talking about the person in front of you or their father. I think it's just at a bar. Similar to how... Here's your name. The it's context like, of the wider that sentence. That's name that everybody knows, but we don't know his face. 
was that person who's got the same name as you, James mm. Bond, was he a good person? Yeah. <laughs> and I like that he says, he by saying he was my father, that's kind of it a summation matter. of what the film has been gesturing towards the whole time of... Yeah. We can't boil these things bad. down to good or bad. There are parts from them that were good, or parts from that that were bad, and and how we behave in the world isn't just decided by whether things are good or bad. We also have principles of who we're related to and who we care about, and you know these family structures. So it's not just it's not just about what's right or wrong. We as humans are motivated motivated by all these other things as well. Mm. You know, and the film ends with Lil Michael. Going to live on the farm with those f- mm. kindly people that they met before. Yeah. But he parks. He gets to go and live with the Kents. He parks 300 meters away from the farmhouse. It's just to have a nice shot, Isaac, okay? He pulls over <laughs> on the side of the road and then walks them from a distance so they can look and be like, oh, and then there's the dog. But and then the car, somebody's got to walk down all... that hill later and bring the car. Well, he'll around. probably do it, Isaac. He seems like a nice kid, all right? He does. Seem just like let a nice them kid. Have, have the shot, you know? And, also, and I guess when he says he was my father. That's him implicitly, you know, integrating everything that his father did and was by acknowledging him as his dad. dad. And also putting himself at risk by letting the mob still know that he's alive. Because his name is Michael Sullivan. He ain't going to change that. I'd I'd be changing it. I'd be changing it in a heartbeat. (laughs) Everyone knows your name, though. Famous. No, they don't. You're just some kid who lives on this farm. But it's your name. With my his, name's Michael Sullivan. Imagine going weirdly into a bar rich and farmers. saying, hi, I'm Michael Sullivan, and they're all, like, scared of this 12-year-old. Really? <laughs> hi, I'm Mike Sullivan. Not that one. <laughs> You're Mike Sullivan. <laughs> Should I frisk you? No, I'm a boy. <laughs> I'm James Bond, but not just a re- <laughs> just a normal one. I just uh, do antiques and stuff. It was a good film. Um, so I think very nearly great. Nearly great. Um, it was a very good film. Very good film. Um and I kind of think it. I think they kind of set that intention of having this be a film with very little dialogue. Mm-hmm. But I don't know how well that actually worked for this story. I think it's hard to do a story about Irish mobsters and Italian mobsters where no one's saying it's anything. It's hard to do a story that has this many layers of complicity, of complication. Yeah, where it's, and so many characters. Because so um, the mob is such a web. Mm. If it's a serial killer movie like No Country for Old Men that has very little dialogue yeah that makes sense because you got your three three points of view following that film through Mm. but for this one i think a little bit more exposition in certain parts would be yeah and maybe because it's great and i maybe that first bank robbery could have done with a little bit more explaining why he's there to take that money yeah but i also think it's possible that the kid was supposed to narrate a lot more because the comic book is clearly written from that would the have kid's been point of view. Because it starts with a kid monologue and it ends with a kid voiceover. Yeah. Um, if that happened every every now and then, mm. just like yeah, but then that would have been a preachy film. Like if the kid narrates yeah, so much about their much. murderous father. I think things that hold this movie back from being a really great, hardly any dialogue movie is the fact that it's in winter around Chicago. So they are they. I think they could have had a few more scenes that are really outdoors and you like those shots of the sort of expansive countryside mm-hmm. were great, but we didn't get to exist in that landscape very often because it's so often dark through it. and rainy and that makes it feel very closed in. And so when it's all closed in and really quiet, it just makes it feel kind of small. Mm-hmm. And when characters aren't talking, you need to be able to 
see read their faces a lot and everyone's got facial hair and big coats and big hats and it's dark so you couldn't read a lot like the other great uh movie that's i think in that genre would be drive where i was gonna go in this genre and the other great movie would be like the untouchables i'm i guess not not genre that just the style of let's quiet movie of, of but quiet a lot of movie. stuff's happening drive has a relatively complex crime related plot mm. uh, but, but you understand big, it yeah and i just and just ryan gosling and the other actors in that movie have faces that lend themselves much more to not saying anything and i find it's very hard to define what that is but you know ryan gosling doesn't have to say anything you just look at his face all day you could you could or the back sure? of his head as he walks away yeah. just down hallways slowly while like synth music plays and mm. the sun sets and Could you glints off his jacket a gangster film set in the 30s synth music maybe just anything synth music i want to see like a medieval movie <laughs> oh, i'm pro more synth, synth music. music definitely yeah where are we going to put this well okay as people may already know we are not ranking daniel craig's films or scoring them individually we are doing an overall ranking of all daniel craig's movies from best to worst so this is episode 11 but the 12th movie we've watched check out patreon at some point in the near future for the added (laughs) content if you want so of those 11 movies will go from top from the bottom to the top and you and we'll figure out where this one goes okay so at the bottom of the list as we know (laughs) uncontroversially is obsession is this movie better than obsession yeah okay love and rage yeah is this movie better than a kid in king arthur's court definitely is this movie better than i dreamed of africa yes better than hotel Splendid. yes well what about this better than lara croft tomb raider yes better than sharps eagle yes better than elizabeth yes better than the power of one yes Better than The Trench? Yes. Better than Some Voices? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Is this the new number one movie? I think so. Do you think so? I think it has to be, hasn't it? Yeah, I, think I think it's, it's really quite good. clear from the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, think it, I think it is the new pers- top of that list. Yeah. I think Daniel Craig gets to give a more interesting and complex performance in Some Voices. But he still gets to give a great performance in this, mm-hmm. and it's a, a a richer and just more accomplished film overall. Surely, definitely, yeah, yeah. Again, acknowledging that this way of figuring out whether movies are good or not is absurd. I think and it's great. I think this is a better movie than all the ones we've it's watched. It's not thus like far, apples and, and oranges. It's like apples and spaceships. Well, no, they're all apples. But if an apple was just something that Daniel Craig has put himself into. Um, if that's what you said. And yeah, the best I was like, that's thing, a great way to think about it. The best thing that Daniel Craig has put himself into. Well, don't phrase it like that. Is Road to Perdition. <laughs> Daniel Craig inserted himself into this film. He, yeah, okay. <laughs> Road to Perdition is the new number one. Yeah, the the ranking of the, on the top five is going to get real heated over the. Over the I think so too, while. but I think we already know what the also best one the is. ranking over the middle is going to get pretty heated as well. If I I'm think... honest with you, because there's we think we we think <laughs> we're doing Bond next, but we're not. There's other things to to work through, but uh, <laughs> cool, 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 <sighs> cool, 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 tight, tight, tight. It was um, good. Yeah, good film. Proud. Good, good film. Glad about this. Very nearly great. What's next on the list? Next on the list is, good question, Isaac. 
Thank you, Sam. Isaac is my name, everyone. Well, technically, the next movie on the list would be 10 Minutes Older, colon, The Cello, where it's an anthology of 10-minute movies which Daniel Craig is in one of. Ugh. But, uh, Are we di- just watching that one? No, we're going to watch all of them. Ugh. But the DVD of it has not yet arrived. <laughs> so if we don't end up doing that one next, it will, the next one will be Sylvia, uh, which is a movie about Sylvia Plath. Cool. So... It uh, it is based on the real life romance between Sylvia Plath and Ted Hughes, and in which Daniel Craig plays Ted Hughes. It I'm not sure. Yes, nice. Daniel Craig starring as Bam. famous poet Ted Hughes. That name rings a bell. I've got I've got books kind of about him. I think. Yeah, oh, I'm gonna have to reread those now. Don't in preparation, you don't have to at all. Yeah, always be preparing for the next Craig cast. Craig cast. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks, guys. This was good. I'm glad that we found so much to say about a film that is good. Yes. Because normally when a film's good, we, we end up being like, yeah, no, no, it's fine. There's, 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 there's nothing to make, you know, shitty, sarcastic comments about. So <laughs> I guess we've run out of stuff to say. I'm glad that this was a film that we both enjoyed. Yeah. And great to revisit. I saw it. At, I would have seen it in like 2003 sweet or Hanks. four. And, and every day is better with some sweet Tom Hanks in it. It sure, it sure is. Although, you know, he could mix it up a little bit now. Okay, I want to see Tom Hanks play John Jarrett in he, a John Jarrett biopic. Or a Nazi. <laughs> he hasn't. But he, I, don't, I don't want Nazis to be likable, though. Yeah. Nazis are the bad They guy. were, though. People loved them. Yeah, but... You've seen Jojo Rabbit. Be, but not, in that, even Nazis are the bad guy. Yeah, I know, but, but it shows Nazis the within the Nazis it shows the banality of evil, <laughs> you know. Uh, well, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, you hope if you've listened this long and weren't even thinking about subscribing, let me challenge that thought. <laughs> Please subscribe to the show and give us a f- give us a five star review. I always find it weird when people say that they don't say give a review. Give us a five star review. Like, like the li- show. <laughs> If yeah, you're just telling people like this, what what you should do now is is just feel positively. Towards you literally this. listened at this point for a very long time. Yeah, should we say this at the top? <laughs> but I don't care. No one's ever it's heard great. this. Probably Christine has. Christine has. Yeah, and by extension, probably MacArthur's walked into the room at this point in time. I that, I know that has happened. He's told me that's happened. <laughs> he tells me all the time. He walks, he in, walks like, in when we. Say I keep weird hearing shit. you fuckers talking in the other room all the time. Um. Uh, but if you'd like to connect with us, you can follow us on Twitter at ExceptionalPod or on Instagram at ExceptionalThieves uh, or email us at ExceptionalThieves.gmail.com. Comments, questions, things we've got wrong. Hit What's, us up. You know, what would you like to see Daniel Craig do in the future? Don't say a Nazi because we've all had enough of that. If you want to contact Sam directly, how do you do that? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at S underscore Brookfield or Samuel Brookfield on instagram okay. how could they get in touch with you uh, i'd prefer that they didn't i prefer my privacy okay but what's your address <laughs> uh instagram at isaac tibbs two a's two b's nice <laughs> i knew it i and totally use that application you do no not really i've seen you look at it yeah but i don't like use it as a social media platform to get my my, my points of view out because yeah. i don't have points of view I've been having some points of view lately. Nice. On Twitter. I'm leaving all sorts of 
di- digital footprints out there. It's probably going to come back to hurt me. Who cares about digital footprints? How about this? I applied for a job the other day and oh, I was like, dude, so did I. What if they find this? <laughs> this I guess podcast. I've, I've now constructed a world where I will only get jobs at places where people are okay with the person also having hours and hours of Daniel Craig related content on the internet. And I'm okay with that. You know, that's an okay filter to receive opportunities through. But who knows what I'm costing myself? <laughs> It's okay as long as you don't want to be taken seriously. Exactly. And we do also have a Patreon at patreon.com forward slash exceptional thieves where we will be uploading all of our TV movie reviews and other stuff as well. I want us to do an episode on Tomb Invader, the asylum Very movie ripoff. off. about watching it. Yeah. I've purposely not watched it yet. Excellent. And thank you to Ryan Sim for our artwork. Ryan Darcy Sim on Instagram. Uh, get him to draw something for you. Do Daniel Craig on your chest or something. Um, and thank you to the Vivisectors for our music. They're from they're from Russia uh, still. I if should you, find out other Russia, facts. Check them out. I should find out other Vivisectors. It's cold facts. there. They probably wear coats like this film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They probably wear all those. And those and those hats it's that look like that, furry that cakes. Depression. Yeah. Still happening. Yeah. Definitely Maybe. still happening in Russia. I don't know. Their population's declining. I know that. But that's also... They've, they've, they've been sad for a long time, though. They have. Because they were like, we're going to be the world! And then they accidentally <laughs> murdered each other. And then mm. and then if it all blew up. And the, and now they're annoyed because everyone just watches that show on HBO. It's like, you fucking idiots. <laughs> uh, you didn't just like make technical errors. Like Foundational aspects of your entire political system and culture massively exacerbated it and ultimately could have led to the destruction of the Northern Hemisphere, you knobs. <laughs> anyway, maybe they'll maybe they'll bring it back. Need Putin to die. That's what we need. Just have a heart attack or something. Give up. Someone Stop. could like shoot him. That, why doesn't that happen all? No, I'm not advocating it. I'm just saying. Why aren't more people assassinating world leaders? I'll, I'll, it happens so often in films. It happens so often in films, and it looks so easy. And I'll say this: <laughs> I feel like if I tried really hard. <laughs> I think I could probably do it. Like, if I got really into sniper rifles and stuff, I'm sure you could... Like, Scott Morrison, the only reason he is not assassinated is because no one cares enough. Like, clearly no one is trying. he's that much of a douche. And just, like, low stakes. Like, whatever. You know, whoever else... Whoever replaces him would just be the same. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, no one is trying to kill him. Because if they were, he would be dead immediately. You know, it's quite possible that people are trying to kill Putin, but we just don't hear about it because it makes him seem weak. Like, the whole... If someone tried to kill Kim Kim Jong-un, he wouldn't know about it. They'd just replace Kim Jong with someone who looks exactly like him. Yeah. And... Because they've definitely got clones. Yeah. Remember when Kim Jong-un faked his death a few weeks ago <laughs> to, like, figure out who would betray him in his inner circle? What? That's, like, the 50th craziest thing that's happened this year. We're not even talking about it. Nah, because they sort of expected. Remember that couple of weeks ago when everyone was like, is, is Kim dead? Jong-un dead? <laughs> Do we Because smile? we don't we don't have the bandwidth for this right now. <laughs> anyway. Uh, that was another great one. There was a, a story about, um, it's like, uh, scientists are picking up interesting uh, potential communications from outer space. And, and they repeat are, every 157 days. And people are like, not now, we are busy. <laughs> Imagine if aliens landed now. Like, oh, we don't have... Okay, right, this as well, I guess. We'll do well, this. Just the next chapter of this year. Yeah, get get Jeffrey Rush. All we right. all decided he was the one. What it is, is... Get Jeffrey every Rush Every year and- is a season of a show. And this year is like they're trying Malala. to finish the last five seasons in one go. 
Like, they've written the show out for another however long, and they're just like, yep, these are all our story things. They have to happen straight away because we've been cancelled. Yeah. <laughs> this is season eight of Game of Thrones. Yes, it is. Yeah. And I really wish the writers could have like just been been replaced. Like, <laughs> you are not essential to this, clearly. No, we can keep it going and just on. Let us just take give us our, a different god. Just let us take, take our time with it. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or we are a simulation and we're just a homework project for some higher being and it's due. <laughs> like the science fair is tomorrow and he's like, I need to wrap this up. And he's just turned up. The, I need turn- to know how it ends. Yeah. <laughs> just getting this thick. And he's just turned up the novelty dial on the whole thing. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening, everyone. Okay. Bye. Bye. Oh, hang on. If we go for another minute, it's two hours exactly. Yeah, but I got to go. Do you have to go within the next minute, though? I sort of have to. Okay. I did say I'd be there at around six, and I will be late. Where are you going? Ipswich. Oh, that's that's not too bad. i got to go pick Ashley up. Oh, no, you're going to be late. I bro. get to pick Ashley up. It'll yeah, be fun. Nice. Caught you. <laughs> See, it was worth doing that last little bit. All right. <laughs> See you later, uh, okay. guys. Bye. Mm. Uh, keep, keep, keep recording, though. Yeah. We're, we are leaving. Yeah, no, we're leaving. We are leaving. Yeah. Yeah. We could actually go if you want. I'll take the headphones on again. It's just silence. You can make all of the episodes two hours long. Mm. It hey, just cuts. Do you have other recorded songs? Of Terms and Conditions yeah. stuff? Yeah. I mean, we have a lot of YouTube. We have a lot of stuff on YouTube. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll pull it off that. It's just not then. on Facebook. Because there's one um, one of the, the, I think Hotel Splendid, we mentioned that song. And so I just put it at the end of the episode. <laughs> cool. So it just comes to silence and then you just start The policeman song. Yeah. Um, yeah, just Google the, um, Terms and conditions. conditions. We have a, um, No, it's a Chet Faker song. No, just the Terms and Conditions. Oh, the. Like, we're called the Terms and Conditions. All right. It's like us, you Maybe know. say band as well. We'll put the word natural at the end of the <laughs> Because that's the first song. Rather than fake. There it is. Natural that's, 20. That's our group. That's us at Underground Broadway. Okay, great. <sighs> All right, yeah. At least easier than us. You never find us. You got to put exceptional thieves present Craigslist. Like what kind yeah, of fucking I, I, idiot I, I did that as marketing? The other day. Yeah. It doesn't work if you put exceptional thieves as two separate words, but if you put it as one word, it comes up straight away. That's weird. It's not all the time. But it's I know. Friday's usually game night for me and my pals And I know I'm not usually out here chasing gals Dance floors and strobe lights aren't my kind of scene Just take a look and you'll know what I mean I can fight a dragon Dice in my hand, a pen and paper wizard, but you don't understand. The language that I speak may seem like playing on to some. You're a natural 20, baby. And I just rolled a one. Oh, I
solutions from my living room chair. I've defeated warlords, zombies, orcs, and owlbears. When it comes to charming ladies, social skills, I've got none. You're a natural 20, baby. But I just rolled a Twenty, baby. 